Welcome to the Hall of Games, episode number 35. I am your host, Josh Gallegos, joined as always by my cohorts, the casual Jared Benson, uh, the mercenary. Jared, how are you doing, sir? How is life? How has your last couple of weeks since our last podcast been? It's been um, it's been good. It's really hot here in Oklahoma. We are about to potentially break a record the weather pattern says that we are about to have over a hundred degree weather for the next 19 days or something along those lines and if we do successfully do that i wouldn't call that a success but if we do that it will be a record-breaking uh streak so uh, we'll see and it's funny too because last year was mega mild i talked to all the locals and they're like you know last year when we first moved here they were like yeah this is uncharacteristically nice um normally it's uh, a bit hotter than this but this summer it's about to break a record so um seems quite uh intense and stepping outside is like stepping into an oven but uh it is what it is my ac unit is the mvp this summer no doubt so uh how are things on your end friend oh they're great getting geared up to start the new school year going into 2022 2023 so always a lot of nerves going into that uh very exciting times though as well so looking forward to it really curious to see how this year plays out how's the wife oh she's great man she's big (laughs) she's getting close (laughs) to to popping and we're about to have that little girl so uh right around the corner here actually there's been a couple moments last couple weeks that we've had like you know, like you sit up a little bit and you're like, is it time? Like, are is we about time? to head to the hospital? <laughs> yeah, like it's it's like right there, man. Um, even today, like we were both at work and there was just a moment where she was like, um, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, all right, let's go. Like, let's let's go. Let's go meet this girl. So uh, looking forward to it. Really excited. Uh, and she's doing pretty well. Honestly, we've been pretty blessed to have a pretty smooth, especially third trimester so far. Uh, yeah. lots of people don't, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and who's to say that she will next time around either, but this time has been a big blessing and obviously it's, it's still very uncomfortable for her, you know? Of course. And like yesterday we, we ended up staying home for the day from work because she was just having a really rough go at it. The baby was in a particular spot on a, on a bad nerve and she was even unable to sit up at work and even focus at all. So after coming home and barricading herself in pillows, things got better, but there you go. um, There you go. Yeah, it's been great. It's been awesome. Um, Looking forward to actually meeting the child. And then of course, everything else that comes after that. Well, I am, super happy for y'all and very very excited as well so yeah we are as well it's gonna be fun it's interesting in a ministry right now over here at pcc that's very much um insular 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 um just a lot of people who have been there their whole lives and it's like that's what they know you know um and because of the fact that the ministry promotes traditional values and Uh, really pushes for, you know, family and uh, commitment and stuff like that. Like, there's just a ton of pregnant people just, like, all over the place. (laughs) So, it's funny because we're 
going through this for the first time ourselves, but in actuality, a lot of the people that even we don't know, like we just see them are going through the same thing. And it's weird to think that like in five, 10 years, like their kids are going to be our kids' friends. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, Oh, like we're going to be associated with them, whether we like it or not. (laughs) But, um, it's great. It's exciting. It's like, it's going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to the next several months. Um, enjoying the summer and the just kind of the lackadaisical nature of it because come august it's gonna the the uh temperature is gonna go up a few dials if you know what i mean so yeah uh looking forward to it it's gonna be a lot of fun uh nonetheless of course this is the hall of games slash bards backlog the evergoing catalog of video games inducted into said hall we are the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidate including today's Write into us. Our email is askbgb at gmail.com, which I have not checked in some time. Let me take a quick peek there, Jared. I am sure there's nothing, but it never hurts to try. Of course, you guys can reach out to us over social media on, uh, well, I haven't really been on Twitter recently, but uh, on Facebook, certainly. I have a setup there, a little page and everything going on with the video game Bard, and then on uh, Instagram as well, two good spots, and nope, we are empty on the email side of things. Feel free to check out our email, uh, message us with any particular questions or anything that you may have uh, in regard to the podcast. Of course, you can support us by giving our posts a like, following us on our podcast service of choice, dropping reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. All of those things will help us. We have had a couple of really good episodes actually recently um, as far as stats are concerned. So people are engaged, and I have not heard from these people, but apparently whether... I mean, it might be bots. I don't know. Uh, but it seems like, based <laughs> on the statistics, there is a solid group of us, probably small church-level size of people who are gathering together with each of these episodes and taking a listen. So I uh, hope you're enjoying it and hope that uh, in the future, if you feel the desire to, that you contribute. Uh, last time we talked about Ghost of Tsushima, which, of course, made it into our Hall of Games. Fantastic, fantastic game. The magnum opus, I think, of Sucker Punch. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing what they do next next uh but jared before we get into the nitty-gritty of our episode you know we did say it's been a couple weeks and we did go through a major holiday so jared what did you do for fourth of july anything exciting this year i know last time um if i'm not mistaken i think it was last year you said that you went to a church that had party in the usa playing so has there been a moment (laughs) like that this year that topped that no, no, no shenanigans for me this year. Uh, I was working. So last year we closed on the 4th of July. First time my restaurant had ever closed on 4th of July. But they just, we didn't have the staff and we didn't have the numbers. It didn't make sense. And it's always a slow day anyway. But this year we were open from noon to 8 p.m. So uh, an oddly short day. But it, I was just working all day. And then in the evening, you know, you fall asleep to the sound of fireworks in the distance. And that's just kind of the the... The tradition there, call friends and family, wish them happy fourth. And but uh, no, 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 no super plans. I was just working, and so was Lucy. But that's all right. There's going to be plenty of Fourth uh, of Julys next year uh, because we'll be in Connecticut with my family. I guarantee you that there will be barbecues and fireworks in the backyard, uh, and it's going to be a big hoodoo. So that that'll be fun, uh, and uh, certainly nothing wrong with having a more um, a downsized Fourth of July. How about you, my friend? We did a small little cookout with some friends, um, which was nice. We hadn't done much for the fourth the last couple of years, so this year having 
a few people that we could hang out with and we just you know we made some burgers and dogs and everybody brought sides and stuff and it was way too much food for the small group and then we just played some games uh actually got into several different video games uh specifically the jackbox party packs really come in clutch when you have a good size group so oh yeah we played several several games from that and then we also played stick fight i don't know if you ever played that jared that's a really fun yes very simple uh game you can get on your switch and it really has no end in sight it's not even like level based you just kind of like go as long as you want so that's fun we played a bunch of that people seem to enjoy themselves uh had a fun fun time um but otherwise we didn't really go and see any fireworks honestly i don't really know in pensacola where to go for that i mean i guess you got like the the the, um amphitheater nearby you have gulf breeze i'm assuming would probably be a good spot i could see a bunch of fireworks going off there we didn't go and see if that was the case but and yeah. Pensacola, normally it's the baseball stadium, the Blue Wahoo Stadium. That that's where they okay. set off fireworks. So anywhere you have a vantage point of the stadium, if you're on a boat, that's the best. Or if you have someone's, the, so a couple of years ago, I was at a party on someone had a house uh, on the water, and that water was across the way from the stadium. So we had a, a great line of sight to the fireworks, and that was the uh, one of the better fireworks shows I've ever seen. So um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, blue wahoos blue wahoos has the best fireworks show in pensacola but but um har- you know uh it depends on what your style is i i personally am a little jealous i would much rather a small barbecue small group of friends and some jackbox that sounds like a lot of fun yeah it was it was a it was a good time and i was glad that we did something with our holiday um gotta love the fourth you know celebrating this nation what is I mean, your favorite fourth even... of july side are you a mac and cheese guy a potato salad Ooh. guy Great question. Because for um, me, it's the baked beans all the way, man. It's brown okay, sugar okay. and bacon, baked beans. Yeah, I think baked beans is a classic. Potato salad is a classic as well. Both of those go really well paired with a burger and a hot dog. So um, I'd say, like, yeah, all the way. I mean, outside of that, maybe throw some barbecue chips on there. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it was great, though. We did, uh, like, deviled eggs, too. Those are a pretty good side. Ooh, yes, sir. So, uh any of those like take your pick man I'll, I'll eat any of them that's like fourth of july food is definitely up there in my like holiday foods um it might be hmm maybe number two i'll put it at number two with thanksgiving being number one but it's got you, you got some good eats there i mean you can't go wrong with a a, a cookout a grill out you know Oh. This is this is a little off of a tangent here, but for me, Thanksgiving's actually number four. And the reason <laughs> a lot of people hate Thanksgiving. <laughs> so. Well, it oh, it never lives up to your expectations. It, it never does yeah. because the holiday is about the food, and so it never. <laughs> Christmas for me is number one because it's almost always something like warm, uh, unique, and uh, welcoming. Maybe you know my parents used to do like a homemade lobster bisque, maybe some homemade bread Ooh. rolls something very warm and welcoming and beautiful. Uh, and we would do that Christmas Eve dinner nice and big before Christmas breakfast, you know. Uh, so it was, a, it was a day, you know, it was a 24-hour period of some, like, I don't know, just homey food, but it's done really well, and your expectations are more for the whole day than just that event. And then, then number two is July 4th because it's always, like, so simple and the community and barbecuing and stuff. 
And then three, number three for me is is Valentine's, I think, because you're almost always okay. going out to a fancy restaurant. And then number four is Thanksgiving. So that's just me food-wise, but but yeah. All that makes sense. It really does. And I know <laughs> Thanksgiving is not everyone's favorite. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's such a specific like type of food yes you know yes. like you only have it at that point in the mm-hmm. year too like mm-hmm. ain't nobody going out and buying cranberry sauce in or turkey september right. or even yeah. you know april yeah. or whatever yeah it just doesn't happen yep um so you get your you get your vibes christmas though that's a, that's a good one i think the problem for me is that i've never had a consistent like christmas palette mm-hmm. i mean obviously you're gonna have something sweet like cinnamon rolls or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, like my family was all over the place. Like some years we'd have Mexican food because that's what we do. Some years we'd have, you know, like the iconic ham and mashed mm-hmm, potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some years we'd do like Chinese food. So there was no cohesion. So because of that, I just don't ever think about it. I don't think from a holiday food perspective. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hopefully we have not made you too hungry, though. Uh, Let's jump into our first segment for this episode, and that is, of course, the games we plan. I got a few. So I'm going to jump in here with the ones that I have been jumping out and into over the course of the last month or so. It's been a journey. We talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, just trying to find what's going to hook me next. I think I've found enough to distract me and to get me beyond Elden Ring. Although Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest, I did just start a third playthrough this week and more or less just to have something to kind of jump into in the background. Um, I can't get enough of Elden Ring, man. Oh, like, yeah. I, I can't be away for too long without wanting to go back in. So uh, I do have that there, although I haven't put a whole lot of time into it. Most of my time has been dedicated to these other titles. The uh, focus has been on Death's Door and then Returnal have been the two that I've put the most time into thus far. Resident Evil 4 comes up right behind there. Now, I will say Death's Door was the game that broke me of that feeling of not knowing what to play. Um, it, okay. It just scratched the itch I needed in that mm. moment. It's very much a 2D Zelda light. It's an isometric top-down view. You play as a raven who is, or a crow, who is tasked with reaping souls for death. Um, so it's called Death's Door. You're utilizing these doors that act as portals throughout the world and it turns out that uh the doorkeeper is actually your boss and the doorkeeper who's like this dude he's he's like this tall uh uh suit of armor who very much reminds me of the uh death character in um skull eater if you've ever seen that anime death is like this goofy bouncy dude who's kind of tall and he's got weird choppy hands and obviously has like a skull mask 
Uh, but these guys are very much like that. They're tall. They got weird kind of geometry. And then instead of a skull mask, they just have like a, a lock face, kind of like a door lock. And then they're in charge of these doors. And they basically took over the task of bringing souls to the afterlife for death. So the doorkeepers made a deal with death that they would be in charge of the souls of the world. And death would able be able to relax a little bit. Um, death himself had been kind of going through like some some lack of purpose because he was just so miserable like going into these tragic situations and bringing these dead people out of you know loved ones homes and whatnot so he was looking for someone to help uh, the doorkeepers show up and they set up this whole uh, enterprise of uh, crows who are going out into the world and reaping souls for death and you start off as his crow, but death is gone. You don't know what's going on. Death has, has not been around for some time. In fact, because death has not been around, all the people on the face of the earth at this time are not dying anymore. Uh, people are just living longer and longer than they ever were supposed to. And that's causing problems. On top of that, souls are not allowed into death's door. And you don't know why, like what's going on there. And so it's a big mystery as to like what's going on in the world and uh, who's at fault. And so you play through. And it's a very charming game. Very, very beautiful and vibrant game as well. Mm. Uh, very highly polished on the PS5. I don't know what it looks like on other consoles, but I loved it there. Uh, a lot of uh, stylistic flair even to like little prompts and stuff anytime that you die it just says death like giant like giant letters across your whole screen um and it it's funny like it, it makes me laugh every time I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> obviously i'm dead um but it's got that zelda feel you're kind of exploring mini dungeons and you have a big boss at the end and you can kind of explore the world and open up different areas and how to get to them and whatnot so lots of puzzles uh the combat's really frenetic and fast it's a great game it's a really good game um it's one that like we're at this point with indie games that so many of them are good that it's almost inconsequential to say that one is good but this one is there like it's on that level of an uh uh owl boy or a shovel knight like i put it up there with those as in terms of quality and it really scratched the itch of a zelda light kind of dungeon crawler that i didn't even know i wanted at the time uh it took me about 12 hours to beat great game if you ever see it on sale and you have interest in a smaller game like that feel free to pick it up i really enjoyed my time with it outside of that i've been playing returnal um returnal what a game, man. It's it's a very... I feel like you would have a really good time with it, actually, Jared, because it is gotcha. very much like a Hades. It's got, got that roguelite element to it. So I've just been... It's, it's my easy go-to in the evening. Like, instead of jumping into one of the more narrative-heavy games or even, like, an online game, I'll just play a couple rounds of Returnal. Mm. And I've gotten to the second area now. I think there's, like, four or five areas. And the first area took me, like, a solid three weeks to get through. Oh, and, man. of course, and that's that's with me only playing, like, a round or two in the evenings, you know. Sure. Um, and so much so, of roguelikes is about getting into a rhythm. Right. And I think that helping... Like, helping me along with that was actually taking a couple more runs. So, the last week or so, I've been putting in, like, three to four runs every evening. And that got me to the second area. I'm very close to finishing out the second area and getting to the third. It's a tough game. I know I've talked about it before. Very, very beautiful. Housemark is known for its uh, visual effects and for its, like, pushing of the actual engine of the system. There's one particular effect where you, like, teleport. 
and your character splits into like what I'm assuming is thousands of little tiny pieces and it just looks amazing and that mm. just like it makes me think like this could only happen on the PS5 at least as smoothly sure. as it's happening here um, so in that way it very much feels like a contemporary modern game but in its scope it's very straightforward right it's just a roguelike so you're gonna go into a randomized area and you're gonna kill all the people that are there you're gonna try and get upgrades and stuff and get to the boss and then beat the boss and move on to the next area so uh it's very much familiar in that way but it's been a really awesome just i don't necessarily have something i want to jump into right now like it's before dinner i've got 20 minutes you know right right right, right. so i'm gonna play returnal Small and it's gorgeous it's gorgeous to boot. Uh, the controller it really takes advantage of the um, the vibration, the 3D vibration that the PS5 controller can do. So, and it takes advantage of the triggers as well, the multi-tier triggers that are there. So, in that way, it's actually a great showcase for what specifically the controller can do. Um, but it's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to continuing to play that. I think that's gonna be kind of like my number two with every other game that I'm playing. So Death Store was my number one. Returnal was my number two. Um, and yeah, those are those are the ones I put the most time into thus far. Portal 1, I beat. Jared, I want to hear what you think of it. Uh, in fact, tell me about your time. I know you just finished it this evening. Very short, simple game. So I only played it for a few hours and beat it in one particular evening. I'm sure you kind of did a similar thing. What did you think of Portal 1? What a fantastic little treat of a game. Uh, I, you know, I made this comment to you earlier. I wouldn't pay sixty, you know, fifty nine ninety nine for a game of this size because it didn't take very long. I mean, I know it's got bonus levels, and I haven't gotten into those yet. But still, um, what a fantastic little game! Just a very simple concept, but one that is near limitless. I mean, uh, it's a physics game inside of a, you know, very uh, limited environment and um, with a narrative structure that doesn't have to do. It doesn't have to do any heavy lifting. It's just enjoyable. You don't have to think about anything other than the puzzle at hand. And I enjoyed it tremendously. I'm absolutely going to go play Portal 2 because uh, it came in a bundle. Portal 1 and Portal 2 is on mm-hmm. uh, the Switch. So it's really handy um, and for a very reasonable price. Uh, so I'm going to absolutely jump into Portal 2. I loved everything about it. I There's there's not a flaw in the game other than the weird loading that goes on in between areas. Sure. It seems to like load indiscriminately. But other than that, um, and dying. Dying's tedious. Like It takes a while. Um, but uh, but yeah, so no, great game. Love, love it uh, a lot and really enjoyed the mind-bending and sometimes motion sickness-inducing <laughs> physical oh, elements yeah. of the game for sure. Yeah, I was actually curious how do you respond to that because it, Karina it did make like, me a little sick. Yeah, yeah, like especially when you're like dropping and you're like picking up speed. Yep. And then you go through a portal and your character like orients out of nowhere and the whole world just like flips around. Yes. <laughs> yep. You get used to it, like, and and a lot of the game, like, because it's dealing with portals, like, there's kind of like a mind break that happens at the beginning, and you're like trying to comprehend, uh, you know, moving from space of matter to space of matter and once you kind of get a feel for it it becomes very straightforward by the time you finish portal 2 it's all old hat like i remember feeling like after going back to portal 1 after playing portal 2 like oh this is so simple like i don't know why it was blowing my mind before um Mm, but mm. there's a lot of the little tricks and things that you just you 
become accustomed to over the course of time. Uh, Portal 2 is great, too, because it's a co-op game. Karina and I have been playing it a little bit here and there. I look forward to finishing that with her. And then once you're ready to play Portal 2, I think I'm going to jump into it as well and just go all out. One of my favorite games of all time. One of the best set of games ever made, Portal 1 and 2. Uh, The first game is very much a tech demo. Um, The history of it is that it was a uh, idea that college students put forth in a competition for the valve company the valve company was holding a small competition and they had this portal gun idea that these college students submitted and valve loved it so much that they gave them a chance to make a little game out of it and they did and then of course valve went in and filled it with incredible writing from uh their side of things with glados and the ai and um just (laughs) so so fun and like you don't expect that like you're playing a game that's like basic and kind of like oh i'm in like a weird uh scientific facility they're doing experiments i'm not expecting much as far as characterization is concerned and they somehow make glados into this like both menacing but also hilarious antagonist yes uh so really but great. Not Love what they do have, with that. You did not have to have that much fun with with the storyline of this game. It didn't need it. All of the heavy lifting could be done by the, the, the physics concepts you're exploring. And yet, Gladys, the narration from that AI robot tends to be the thing that sticks out in my mind when I think of this game. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. You almost, yeah, you, like the rest of it kind of fades into the background because you're just looking forward to hearing what she says next. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Because it's just so funny or, like, totally turns, like, what you're expecting her to say on its head. And uh, super, super clever writing. Really, really great. It's hard to even discuss without, you know, making it feel reductive uh, to what it actually is. So, uh, great set of games there. Last one I'll mention. I know I have a few others mentioned here. We're going to hear Neon White from you, Jared, but I want to move on from this. Uh, I have played Maneater as well. You're just a, a shark and you kill things. That's kind of fun. Uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge is fun. It's a beat-em-up with, of course, your favorite Ninja Turtles. Uh, that I wish I could play with friends. I haven't played too much of it, but there you go. Also a fun game. But the last game that I've actually put some significant amount of time into is Resident Evil 4. I think I'm about eight hours into this game. I love me a Resident Evil game. I they're they're clunky, they're janky, they're tanky, they're goofy, they're cheesy, they're everything that old games are. But Resident Evil 4, I've never played through all the way. I've only played the first couple chapters of it, and now I'm into chapter I think I'm in chapter four now. And I am just, I'm loving it. It's its what you want from Resident Evil game. I've never actually finished one. <laughs> and so I hope that this is my first Resident Evil to actually complete. But every time that I play these games, I get enthralled with them for a time. And then usually something happens that uh, repels me. Either I run out of ammo, <laughs> that's happened before. Or like I literally just had no more resources because I hadn't utilized them properly. If you're not utilizing your resources properly, Resident Evil, it comes back to bite you as i have discovered um or i just came into a point where it was like the puzzle was too obtuse and i didn't take the time to look it up um and so i just moved on from there but four has been great this is one of a lot of people point to this as a seminal moment in video game history and what this means for the industry at large perhaps we could talk about that in its own podcast but i have been loving resident evil 4 i'm looking forward to finishing that that's been my my next big game after death store and uh have been having a grand time there 
Now, Resident Evil 4, that's not the most recent release, is it? No. Um, so, actually, they are making a remake of 4. Uh, technically, they're on 8. So, the newest entry was Resident Evil Village, which is Resident Evil 8. Is that um, the one with the big tall lady? Yes. That's where the vampire lady became a huge meme. Um, werewolves and stuff. I've only played, like, 20 minutes of that. I haven't even gotten further into it. I don't know what it is with Resident Evil. It's hard for me to get into these games. It's really hard. And I think it's just because they are super linear and slow. They're very slow games. You have to just be willing to put up with that. Um, and yeah, 8, I've not actually played all the way through. 7, I've not played all the way through. I don't think there is one that I have completely finished. So... Uh, four is older. This comes from I think I want to say two thousand four or two thousand five. It's an older game. Um, five when Resident Evil Five was coming out, that's when I became aware of this franchise at all because it was huge. Like Five was like there were countdown timers in GameStop. There were countdown timers in Target for Resident Evil Five. Like <laughs> people wanted that freaking game, and then it was such a disappointment to them. But the reason that people wanted Five was because Four was so good like it it totally changed what people even thought a video game could do or like uh the cinematic experience you could have from them so i'm having a great time playing this piece of history and uh i look forward to finishing it so jared you have brought up a couple times this title of neon white Tell me about it. I've played a few levels here. I see the charm. I see why you've fallen in like with it. But tell me more about it and your experience. Well, Neon White kept trending on my Twitter timeline. I'm I'm in the I'm not in the gaming community. I'm not in the circles. I'm not an active voice. And despite that, it kept showing up in my timeline. People talking about it. Gamers that I follow talking about it. People that you know they have their game and then they played Neon White and they can't help but love the flow and the feel of this game. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll give it a shot, especially when I saw it on the front cover of the eStore Nintendo um, for their uh, um, indie games uh, exhibition, like in the featured menu. And so I was like, okay, so it's only for the Switch and PC right now, um, which means it's more of a niche market there. But I jumped in, and it is a high-octane first-person platformer um, with you know a, a a playing card comic book style anime dialogue, uh, it, there's so much going on, and it's it, the gameplay is near flawless, super fun. Talking about 20 minutes before dinner, you could do you know one or two levels uh, of this speedrunning yeah. madness in before dinner um, and be perfectly content, or you could sit down and just consume it for hours on end. Um, and it's got a great length to it. It's a mid, it's a mid length game. It's not super short. It's not super long either. Um, and it's, it's just fantastic. If you've ever wanted to know what it feels like to be, uh, an ACE level speedrunner, this is the game for you because it is so accessible. Now I would not consider myself a, you know, a, a, a really high energy gamer who's a, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, super tactile. Like I'm not some speedrunner. I would never call myself that, but this game makes it easy to feel like one. It's not that difficult to ace a level, um, and uh, it's just really enjoyable. It gets complex, but not needlessly so towards the end. And so there's actually a point, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there's a point in which the game goes from you know zero to 60 
towards that fight those final couple of levels the boss fights are actually Ooh. pretty challenging um you've already probably played through your first boss fight uh and yeah. there's only there's only one or two more but um really that final boss fight is actually really fun um the dialogue is the worst part of this game it is ultra cringy <laughs> it's horrible do not it is it is horrible it's not written well um it's just very cliche every every little cliche thing you could think of is being written into it and the voice actors they oversell it you know what i'm saying like sure josh guy a goes what do you think of this like it's, <laughs> it's you see what i'm saying it's too much it's not real yeah. it's not authentic and so um but it was uh, made by a single individual was the creator of it um, oh really and he made it for his brother if i remember reading that correctly in the credits wow. Uh, but, uh, it, I just really liked it. I finished it already. It's, it's a fantastic game. I would highly recommend anyone play it. Uh, I love the mechanics and I love the world design. And also the concept behind it is that these players are, um, trans, uh, transported to heaven after dying. Uh, and you slowly unlock their past through the convenient amnesia of your character. And, um, you slowly unlock their past. And the whole concept is that heaven has been taken over and you have to restore the balance or something along those lines. So it's it's a great uh, it's a great game. I really enjoyed it, and for the price, it's absolutely worth it. Would highly, highly, highly recommend it. I agree. If you look at just the like the level itself, it's not going to be the most inspiring thing, uh, but all the trappings of the premise and the characters around it make it more interesting. And then you have that killer gameplay. Um, the frenetic platforming with cards. I think that was something that surprised me. Yeah. Um, you got that like card based, like, okay, each card does a different action and you have to chain them together, you know? And that made, that made a lot of sense once you got into it. It took a little, like a split second to click, but once it clicks, it's fun. Like it's exhilarating in its own way. Yes. And the music goes right along with it great music uh sure super fast paced techno music and then two the it, it's a game on multiple levels so the, the first time you go through a level you're trying to beat it as fast as you can you're trying to learn it and then the second right, time you play right. through you're trying to get the fastest score possible um and another quick thing is like you don't have to hit the pause button go down to restart level and click restart level all you have to do is hit that minus button you're immediately back right. to the start so it's super fast to get into a rhythm and a routine and then the third time you play through that level you're looking for a gift to unlock more story and more dialogue so it's a game that's got some layers to it despite how short each level is uh tremendously tremendously enjoyable the gameplay loop any like high quality platformer that's like level based like this will have a very quick um redo button kind of like that minus that that yep. sets you back at the beginning and lets you just go at it again um so that you can hone your precision and so you can hone um the the timing that you need and i love that the game kind of like tells you like oh no you don't have enough to get to the next mission so go back and perfect some of those levels that you did before which is again just pushing you towards getting better at the specifics of the game and then you enjoy it that much more because of that so really awesome really awesome little indie game i i honestly even the i know the dialogue is definitely cringy but it's got a fun little aspect of charm to it i think that just along with the whole premise of it uh plays a lot better than you might expect um and i've i've been enjoying it now that you've said that the game really gets bonkers by the end i think i'm gonna I honestly was thinking about putting it putting it aside, but 
uh, I might just prioritize it now and and finish it out, see the end of it, because it's not going to take me too long. Yeah. Um, but awesome game as well. All right. Once a year for our default segment, and that is our next section of our podcast here, the default segment. Jared and I are going to jump in and do a reaping. Now, what does that mean? That means that we have, of course, our Hall of Games. We are the gatekeepers. We are here to protect the sacred titles that have already been entered into the Hall. But in order to make this Hall and the quality of the games remain intact and also to remain uh, a part of the integrity of the whole thing, um, we need to have a reaping. Once a year, we started this last year. We are going to reap in that we are going to cut at least one title, one title, and this is something that's a change, Jared. Last year, we didn't necessarily say this, but I say we have to remove a title every single year, and part of that is because I'm looking at this list here, and it just keeps growing, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's 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 add some stakes here. Let's add some uh, extra conversation that we may have around some of these Uh, particular titles and uh let's hone our hall of games by actually removing an entry if it comes down to it Uh, of course as we remove one as we cut one through the reaping we can also put one that we have passed on in the past into its place so for example last year we cut nino kuni wrath of the white witch and we put in place mario plus rabbit's kingdom battle so those two kind of swapped now i do not think we need to put one into the hall of games so we can't justify it so i don't want to just force that uh but if we do think that there is one that's worthy that we passed on before and we can make a good argument for it perhaps that will take the place of the one that is cut and then as far as reaping is concerned right you go out into the field you reap what you have sown and then you bring it in and you want the best of the best and so we're going to pick the top three and we're going to rank those as well as we go through this whole process. Last year, our winners were number one, Hades. Number two was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And number three, Dark Souls 3, which we had just covered. We had not covered any of the From Software games. So I'm curious to see how this particular conversation goes. Now, I will start this off by reading what games are already in the Hall of Games. And then we will have this discussion. I've mentioned Breath of the Wild. I've mentioned Dark Souls and Hades. On top of that, we also have Fortnite. Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. I mentioned that as well. Super Mario Odyssey. Axiom Verge. Animal Crossing New Horizons. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Xenoblade Chronicles, the Definitive Edition. Yep. Immortals Phoenix Rising. Undertale. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, Metroid Dread, Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, the 2018 version, Bloodborne, Elden Ring, and last week we put in place Ghosts of Tsushima. So, out of all those, let's do it this way, Jared. I think we can do elimination typically, but we do have our top three already. Out of those three, which one would you say is most likely to be dropped and swapped, and with what? Wait. Okay, so uh, what do you mean the top three here? What do you what do you mean? So we got Hades, Breath of the Wild, and Dark Souls were the winners from last time. Yes. So, top three this year. Are they the same? 
oh, are they the same? No, 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 no. So um, my top three, uh, as far as, you know, this past year, the ones that have made the biggest impression on me, and for different reasons, I think, um, Elden Ring would be my number one. Um, okay. No doubt. Um, I would say Metroid Dread would be my number two. Um, and probably Sekiro Shadows Die Twice would be my, my number three, probably. Okay, well, okay, so part of that is I don't want to just take into account the ones from this last year. So this is all time, like overall. So you're right. I think those are those are three great ones, and we can just immediately eliminate a lot of these other ones. Um, I think instead of doing it, because last year we kind of did like an elimination style, let's do it more we nominate. So I'm hearing that you're nominating Sekiro, Metroid, and Elden Ring. Um to, in my mind, challenge Hades, Breath of the Wild, and Dark Souls. Does that make sense? I see what you're saying. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Okay. So are there any others that you'd nominate to potentially make it into the top three? I would also add to that list Bloodborne and then God of War. I'd add those two. Yeah, these are all you know, AAA titles for sure. I, I would say to challenge the top three... Hmm... I see. I see what you're saying. I'm, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> uh, I should have. I should have asked you what we were doing with this before we started. My apologies. No, I, I would definitely say I would actually not change my list here. All time, maybe all time. Let's see here. Looking at this list, this is a good list. Elden Ring is still. I, I think Elden Ring should be in that top three of all time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, that bumps one if not two titles out i'm not exactly sure how that all works out but i'd say top three elden ring for sure yeah i'd probably put elden ring in the first i would still put hades in that top three if we're doing all time okay i don't think it should be bumped by anything else on this list here and then if we were to put a third game in there i would put no i'd leave breath of the wild in there i'd probably say for if if i had to do the list here if i had to do the list I would I would list it this way: Elden Ring, Hades, Breath of the Wild. That's how I would change things up, um, just in that ranking, personally. But to nominate those for like discussion, it definitely needs to be Metroid Dread, Sekiro, and um, Elden Ring. Those those would be my nominees for the top three. Um, but but if I had to, if we we're going to talk about moving things around, but I definitely I think that the only thing I would change is make Elden Ring number one, Hades number two, Breath of the Wild number three. I think I agree with numbers one and two for you. Okay. So Elden Ring, number one, and Hades, we can pretty much lock those in. I think Elden Ring has proven itself okay. in more ways than one. Hades is already a game that is nigh flawless in its own way. Yep. But number three, number three, Jared. Okay. okay. Breath I'm of the listening. Wild, I think, is a great gut reaction, but I'm not sure if I'm sold on that. I think, I think that Sekiro Bloodborne I put Sekiro and Bloodborne in quality about the same now I know that Sekiro resonated a lot more with you Bloodborne had a lot of flaws that we talked about in that particular episode but I'd say those two have a real shot on seeding Breath of the Wild and then also God of War 2018 Mm. Um, and in God of War's case, that comes from more of a narrative perspective uh, and the satisfaction that 
even its gameplay uh, delivered on, but more of the world itself and how that whole uh, story played out. And I think that that's why I would put it up there with the other two. I think Breath of the Wild is a fantastic game, but honestly, I think Elden Ring is Breath of the Wild done so much better. So it almost feels like because Elden Ring is up there, Breath of the Wild loses some of its luster and some of the reasons why it was in the number two spot before. Okay. All I don't right. know if you agree with that. I, and I, I do buy, I buy that argument because you're trying to make your top three representative of all gaming, at least that we've done so far. Um, and so you don't want repeats, right? You don't want to give all the top titles to open world RPGs, um, which... If, if, but if I'm going based on pure thrill, pure thrill, you can't convince me that God of War should replace Breath of the Wild. And, and mm. the reason why is because the, the combat in God of War is not as satisfying as Sekiro. Uh, the open world is not as good as Breath of the Wild. And the narration, the, the, the storyline is not as good as um, as... Elden Ring or uh, Bloodborne or even Ghost of Tsushima. I just don't think it's it's that level. Sure. Um, so, well, maybe maybe better I would say than God of War. I like more straightforward stories, but but I don't think it's as good as Ghost of Tsushima. So for me, you'd have to really twist my arm to get me to replace Breath of the Wild with God of War. But but I'll uh, I'll hear your arguments. Not that I'm in charge of this, <laughs> but I would I would if I if I could throw my two cents in there, I wouldn't put God of War in that conversation. But I am interested in hear, hearing why you think the other two should replace Breath of the Wild. Uh, if you have a like, what makes you think that? the life-changing 2017 Breath of the Wild title that was released almost in conjunction with the Switch and powered the release of that console, push it one game of the game of the year uh, that year, and also created, took Zelda to new heights, was a game-changing format for uh, the Zelda franchise, really revitalized that franchise, in addition to having some of the best music and soundtrack of all time, the 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 a game that is still today one of the most watched speedrunning games of all time because of the legendary glitches, um, a world of wonder, puzzles, dungeons. Uh, how is that title inferior in any way to some of the more straightforward titles that you've you've mentioned? So tell me more. Ah, oh, Jared, you're. You're putting me into a corner here. You're painting me into a corner. <laughs> let me let me just let me, let's let's talk about Breath of the Wild here for a second. Go ahead. Okay, Breath of the Wild. All right, what made that game so groundbreaking? Well, for one, for a Zelda game, it was groundbreaking. Um, additionally, the 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 climbing mechanic, the exploration, the okay. multiple use of tools, the uh, additional the the use of the camera. The freeze mechanics for like puzzles. It took dungeons to a new level. Um, it, you know, even your, your paraglider opened up the whole world to that. These are all things that, if having if they had been done in other games, were refined and perfected for the Breath of the Wild title, and still had that same Zelda lore uh, and and vagueness. Not to the same richness as the other games but it still fulfilled its promise and broke new ground. Voice acting is the worst thing about that game. And it's still better <laughs> voice acting than let's say neon white or some other titles. Um, so, you know, I, I just, sure. 
I just feel like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's more of a pioneer than some of these other titles. Like Bloodborne is a, is not a spinoff per se, but like it's an it's a new creation of in the mind of a studio that is doing not more of the same, but just a different version of what they've already done. I mean, you could say the 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 parry mechanic has been replaced by the stagger mechanic or what you know whatever else. And that an HP Lovecraftian style world has never been done better. I think you can make that argument. But the, the open world feel of God of War has been done before. Um, Skyrim feels a lot more like God of War. And I don't know that, like, they broke new ground, yes, but they also didn't, I don't know, it just wasn't as impressive of a, of a, of a pioneer as Breath of the Wild was. But I'm, I, I'm done now. Let me, so go ahead, keep. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So first and foremost, Breath of the Wild. Okay, so groundbreaking. I think what made Breath of the Wild groundbreaking, and you mentioned this, is the exploration, the ability to climb anything, the ability to jump off and just kind of like float wherever the heck you want to go. That's not necessarily what makes Zelda special. Now, it makes Breath of the Wild special, but a lot of what makes Zelda special is very much absent in Breath of the Wild. And in fact, now that Breath of the Wild is two, uh, 2 is coming out, I'm going to be honest, Jared, I kind of wish that we had only had Breath of the Wild. Like, I, I'd almost be more than happy to keep that and what it was, that experiment that ended up bearing amazing fruit uh in its own spot and then have a little bit more of a traditional Zelda. You you said the dungeons are better. I disagree. I think in Breath of the Wild, the dungeons are very lackluster. Um, I think the world itself is fascinating the first time you play through it. Uh, but now with a game like Elden Ring, we see that done so much better. And Breath of the Wild, to its credit, inspired a lot of what open worlds are doing nowadays. Um Horizon Zero Dawn, which is also in our list of games that are in here, was released concurrently. And Horizon Zero Dawn is the old version of open world, which God of War picks up on. Even Ghost of Tsushima in its own way feels more like Horizon than it does Breath of the Wild. So Breath of the Wild definitely broke new ground. And it, it, it showed a lot of developers what could be done with an open world. But in and of itself... I don't know. I've never felt a huge urge to go back to it. Um, it does anytime suck that on I have, playability, that's for sure. I cut, I, yeah, I, I stop very quickly because it just doesn't have that satisfying gameplay loop. The The combat's very easy to figure out. Uh, the destruction of the weapons is, of course, its own problematic thing. Uh, the world, once you've mapped it out and kind of have an idea of where things are, isn't as wondrous and exciting as it used to be, which goes with any particular game, right? Even with Elden Ring, I've, I've felt that on one level or another. But... I think what it does that's special, one, other games have now done better, and two, some other games have had had other special things that they've done that are more important. So, God of War. So, God of War is the one that I mentioned, and I do think that it could be a number three. Uh, don't discount what God of War did for cinema, for the cinematic aspect of video games. That game is one long, single camera take. Um, no cuts, other than I think if it like fades to black when you die. <laughs> um, but otherwise, like that in and of itself is impressive. It gives you a very intimate feel to it. The, uh, the camera work makes you 
feel like you're going along with them. Anytime you get hit, you fly along with Kratos with that, um, and, and it zooms in and out. It uses that to incredible effect throughout the game, showing the scope of stuff and then bringing it in close and intimate. Uh, the story itself is amazing. There's there's a lot of uh, high-quality conversations that happen with you and your son on the boat, and a lot of the lore is really well-utilized in this game. They could have just had Norse mythology as a background to a simpler story, but they go all out with it, and they... they build it out in ways that I wouldn't have expected. And I think Ghost, so Ghost of Tsushima, like we just talked about, is comparable to that. I think on the narrative and the cinema side of things, it's very much in that same tier as God of War. But God of War contains an epic element to it and in its execution and in its actual cinematic quality it feels like what you get when you go to a movie theater and watch a superhero movie it does like you just get that bombastic explosive action cutscenes, and it just it feels good your mind is blown when it happens and it also then tops it off with great character development which breath of the wild has zero of yeah none of that um, it also doesn't have any of the fun Zelda background stuff to it. It's it's very, very basic. I mean, just look at Ganon compared to some of the other Zelda games. And for that reason, I think the things that make Breath of the Wild unique, now an Elden Ring has done and done better. And so now I think that that's just, it kind of just naturally, I think if you could just look at the original list of Hades, Breath of the Wild, and Dark Souls, you could kick Breath of the Wild and Dark Souls out at the exact same time because Elden Ring does both of what those games does so much better. Okay. All right. So so then I would think God of War is another one that brings a new a new twist to, to what games can be. And you, you feel that even in Ghost. Like Ghost came out two years after God of War. So they're very much looking up to what they did. Um, but there are other games in here as well. I think Sekiro in its own way also has a viable shot at the number three spot and um metroid i think would be the other one that I'd put in there those those three god of war Sekiro, or metroid i think would be a better fit than breath of the wild I, I it'd be a harder argument for me to make metroid specifically versus breath of the wild but i think at least Sekiro and god of war could make an easy argument for number three well i will say this then for the sake of hmm, i mean you could the combat so let's say so to compare it now that I'm thinking out loud here and you've you said some good things I really can't deny your arguments the the breath of the wild the weakness of it is its departure from what made Zelda great the greatness of it is its departure from what made Zelda boring you know uh, mm-hmm. or in it, sure. it really did reawaken it but at the same time God of War in 2018 with those, with which, with what you're saying, accurately is a cinematic masterpiece. Did also revitalize the God of War franchise, um, which is already pretty popular, um, and just had more adult tonality. I would say, like just yeah. face on face, God of War versus Ghost of Tsushima. The combat in God of War is not as complex. I mean, it's you have almost what you would call Ashes of War. You know, special abilities and stuff. Um, but you have, and you have Sparta mode versus, you know, ghost mode and stuff like that, but it's more, the duels in God of War versus like Valkyries and such are much more enjoyable than ghosts duels for sure. Um, let's see what else I, I would say that God of War's thematic 
world building falls short of Ghost of Tsushima, as in like the island picture painted in Ghost of Tsushima is better. Horizon Zero Dawn, I think, can be safely set aside, although I was going to use it as a comparison. Now, it just, I'm thinking out loud here. I... All right, here's a here's a here's an argument. Why not Metroid Dread? There is just as many gripping moments in my heart over Metroid Dread as Hades and Elden Ring, but for a different reason. Like it really felt like a killer robot was after you and dying was just as c- cinematic as anything in God of War was. Um and it was horrifying in its own way with its own vibes, less character development, less lore obviously. But and as a side scroller, it is one of the sharpest, most intelligent games I've ever played. Um, hmm. So why not Metroid Dread? Why do you feel like it's it's safe to put that behind? Because personally, I'd probably put Metroid Dread for what it is. It does what it is better than what God of War does, in my opinion. For context dependent, obviously, if you enjoy open worlds more, you're gonna like God of War. But just like as much as I enjoyed the lore of god of war and being in the boat in those conversations it felt like i was i was always frustrated getting to my next destination either i was too close to my next exploration destination or it was tedious to get to the next one because of the way the world overlaps and the water levels which is a cool idea but it it gets tedious at times as opposed to metroid dread the exploration and the the puzzles built within that exploration felt much more fluid than God of War. Why specifically God of War instead of Metroid Dread in your mind, do you think? Great question. Um, <clears throat> I think it comes down to, for me, the ground that's being broken. Mm. I think Metroid, and in its own way, it does break ground because it's showing, like, it, it's it's in its own way revitalizing Metroidvanias. But it's not doing anything too risky i don't think and god of war i think takes a lot of risks Mm. and i think a lot of them don't pay off and i think that's part of why like it's open world doesn't feel super satisfying yeah um but at least it tried something metroid feels like they're they're sticking with what works which is that exploration the excitement of uh intimate encounters with big bosses or whatever and the isolation that comes with it, the mystery as to what's going on, that's all what Metroid has done in the past, and they're doing it well here. They're doing it really well uh, with, of course, the the quality of production enforcing all of that. And the Emmys are where perhaps you could say, yes, it breaks ground, and the Emmys are fantastic. It's hard for me to say anything against them because they really do make you feel a way that you don't feel in any other game. Yeah. Like that's a distinct, like looking back at 2021, that's a distinct feeling that I had was, was what happened with Metroid and the Metroid dread and, and the Emmys and how they chase you. Um, yeah. So I think they're just, they're very different. It's hard to compare the two, but when it comes to, uh, delivery on multiple levels of risk taking and ambition, I'd say God of War wins. Yeah. Uh, and to be frank, the conversation mm. about what we're more excited for is not another Metroid game. It's for this next God of War game. I mean, I cannot stop seeing I don't know. I mean, I... posts about people <laughs> talking about this next God of War game. Sure. 
Yeah, personally, I'm a big Metroid guy, so I will be frothing at the mouth. I'm a big God of War guy too, but Metroid's a little bit more specific. Sure. To, yeah, uh, more my own history. But good question, though. I don't know if I could justify God of War being over Metroid Dread because Metroid is Metroid Dread is very much a nigh perfect Metroidvania game, which I would love to see represented here. So I think I think the reason that I agree with that it's for what it does it really is flawless i'm trying to think back to that podcast it's hard to remember all the details i don't remember being very disappointed other than i felt like the game was funneling me a little bit um and i think that's something that we had said that it was like you're almost taking the mystery away because you didn't give me enough options right at the front right um, like sure, I could go back, and it is there's no fast travel, obviously, so it's a little tedious to go back and forth for exploration. Is it really always worth it to explore? Sometimes it feels like it's not. But other than that, Metroid Dread is a 99% complete game, as opposed to God of War was their first attempt to really break into break new ground in their own franchise, and it feels incomplete at times. It feels rough around the edges. Um, which and I also think that if you're going to consider an op- it's cinematic, yes, it even it does cinema even better than Elden Ring. I could say that's a safe that's the game's strongest quality is that fluid one take game. It feels like you're playing a movie. Um, however, to I feel like our top three does need to be fairly diversified, uh, and I think Elden Ring satisfies the. I think you're exactly right. Elden Ring knocks off number two, Breath of the Wild, and number three, Dark Souls. Um, Hades is still untouchable. I, I think that's. I, I if I had to think about it again, I I might say that Elden Ring, Hades, and then Metroid Dread, perhaps, especially if we're considering our our mm. latest titles, just for the flawlessness with which they bring their uh, to their own genre. Um, and, uh, okay. I, I don't, I don't, what do you think of that argument? I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting cause I'm trying to think through, like if I put Metroid dread up against breath of the wild, I don't know. <laughs> it's like at that point, breath of the wild might edge it out. Like it's hard for me to sure. like, you're playing rock, paper, to quantify some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like there's a part of me that wishes that we had a more, uh, vast array of games in the hall of games right now well, because we're only we have on episode kind of, 35 like, of hopefully over a thousand so we're getting there josh yeah <laughs> but a lot like a lot of them are like action rpg yep. combat like focus yep. type stuff so it's hard because a lot of them cancel each other out because of that and i'm like maybe there's like a i don't know like a into the breach or super mario galaxy that would have been number three here you know sure um but instead we're seeing these games kind of cancel each other out. But I do think Metroid Dread is an amazing game. So like top three, like I think it is a top five contender. Obviously top three is an easy argument to make once you take into a fact, uh, take into account the fact that Elden Ring covers a good amount of ground and then so does Hades. So I think you could, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. I, I think you could, uh, you could make the argument that once we've played the next God of War game, that perhaps Metroid should be bumped down. I, you know, we, we have, you know, I love how um, you've you've listed them in chronological order. Obviously, so our games are, you know, they're list they're listed out here like this. But the 
that break that cutoff after Dark Souls Remastered, where everything we've played since the last reaping is Sekiro, Metroid Dread, Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, Bloodborne, Elden Ring, Ghost of Tsushima. Those are some fantastic titles. They're all top of the list, top top of the heap, and it's really tough yeah. to decide, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I, that's what I would put my top three, Josh. But I'll I'm going to leave it up to you. It is such a close match between if you you definitely want to put God of War over Breath of the Wild, and I think. I can I can swallow that argument. I like that. But for what it is and for the variety of our top three, I'd put Metroid Dread over God of War. But I'll leave that final decision up to you. It is by a hair's breadth. So what do you think our top three should be? Oh, Metroid Dread, dude, delivers on everything a Metroid fan wants. Even, like, story beats. Like, it, it gave us some development. Yeah, it did. Samus and her family and what that means to her now. I'm going to call it. Let's do it. Let's do number three Metroid. Dread. I like it a lot. I, I love me some Metroid. I like All it. All right. Well, yeah, I'm totally down with that. All right. So number one, Elden Ring. Number two, Hades being bumped down from number one by Elden Ring. And then number three, rounding out our list, Metroid Dread. Great, great picks there. Fantastic games. Now the question is, Jared, what are we going to cut? Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> Let's hear it. Immortals Phoenix Rising. It it's it absolutely <laughs> okay. it absolutely doesn't need to be in this list anymore. It was a fun, refreshing game game over the summer that I played, that you played, that we played together, but the writing is cheesy. The open world is done better in other games. Uh the, there is a little bit of character building, but it's again done better in other games. Combat is is uh more complex and more nuanced in other games. This is more of a, a smack and slash. And Ubisoft is inserted microtransactions into a game tainting it further i i really feel like if mm. anything on this list should be should disappear itself it's definitely immortals phoenix rising it doesn't stand out that much although i do believe that because it was so fun to play in the moment that we maybe got swept up in it and put it in this list but it just it looks like it's that flashy plastic piece in the case mm-hmm. with a bunch of other jewelry truthfully uh, for, sure. for the titles on this sure. list. I don't know if you would agree right away or if you have some pushback. What do you think? I think that that's totally valid. Like, even that last comparison you made really resonates. I think that Immortals is a fun, straightforward open-world RPG, kind of like we said, like action combat. Just you, you're going to have mindless fun with it, whether yes. or not yes. you want to. So it fits that. But you look at some of the other games that we've passed on, and they all could have the same thing said of them. So I think that that makes perfect sense. Now, my instinct is to cut Mario plus Rabbids. <laughs> so is mine. <laughs> Just because <laughs> that's the instinct, right? Uh, but And that's something maybe I was wondering. Maybe we should have like a, like a white elephant type of rule where after it's been removed twice or something it can never be put back in or something like that. I was thinking um, I was thinking the other day Josh I have to say this comment. I was thinking the other day that like we play a lot of tried and true titles. We really don't you know we don't venture too far from what's popular. The ones that didn't make it into our list are like Okami, Moonlighter, um Outer Worlds. These are all games that I could go up to someone on the street and be like, "Have you played this game?" and they'd be like, "No." Uh, Nino Cooney, you know mm-hmm. that's one. But go to the Breath of the Wild. Go to go to you know Animal Crossing: New Horizons, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, you know uh, Dark Souls or or Horizon Zero Dawn. These are all t- 
top-of-the-line titles that people have played, they're all familiar with, of course they're going to be great. They're mainstream. Um, but but perhaps the solution to this, because we do have a lot in the Hall of Games as opposed to a lot out of the Hall of Games, perhaps the solution to this is to branch out a little bit more. And the more I think about it, the more that I love that Mario and Rabbids is in the Hall of Games because that combat is undeniable. And I think it's okay to have sure. an edgy yeah. take every now and again. Like, really? You put that in the Hall of Games? And to say, no, you're wrong. It's a fantastic game. <laughs> it should be in yeah. there. So. I don't know. I'm kind of proud of our, our ugly stepchild that we put through in there, but uh, I I, okay. I don't think Immortals Phoenix Rise needs to be in here, and I don't think you need to be ashamed that we put Mario Rabbids in there as well. Okay. Then I 100% agree. I think Immortals can be the one that is reaped this year. Now, I do want to make an argument here. That okay, let's hear it. That the child that disappointed me the most on this list that I'm looking for. Now, what do you think I'm going to say on the past games that need to be in the Hall of Games? Uh, oh, 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 okay, okay. So out of this list here, um, out of our the games that we passed on, we have Luigi's Mansion 3, Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. We already passed on that. It's not getting back in. Uh, reaped and already thrown out. Okami HD, Moonlighter, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze, The Outer Worlds, Shadow of the Colossus, uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. We played that on the Switch. That came out for the Wii, uh, remade. And then Dark Souls 3 also did not make it. And now for this episode, Immortals Phoenix Rising has been reaped out into the games we passed on. Out of that list, what do you think I'm going to say needs to be in the Hall of Games, if any of them? What do you think? Well, I can vehemently say it's not... Fire yeah, I'd quit the podcast if you put that on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, poor Fire Do any of these um, stand maybe... out to you that need to go? Because maybe you're not seeing what I'm seeing. Mm. Do any of these stand out to you that need to be in the Hall of Games or at least considered? Uh, I can see arguments for a couple of them. That's the problem. I think, I think Shadow of the Colossus just for some reason is grabbing me. That's is the that... one. Okay, okay, and that's because I knew, partially because I knew you had uh, just a little bit more of a personal desire to want to see that game through. Yes. Um, and in its own right, I do think it is a notable, noteworthy, seminal game in the history of video games. A lot more than a lot of these other ones. And so I, I think I, I th- partially what made me just look at it longingly like an ex-girlfriend that you're not supposed to miss um is is this the call out that was in ghost of tsushima i don't know if you got a chance to do that so in the dlc for ghost uh-huh. of tsushima is uh icky island um there's actually three outfits that come with the wind shrines you go up to them you have to perform a certain action wearing a certain outfit and you'll be gifted uh, a dlc item and one of the gifts from Sucker Punch to the player is a mask that looks like one of the Colossi. Uh, Colossi. Um, it, it looks like the first Colossi that you face, that, that ape uh, with the sword or whatever it is. Um, you get the mask, and your character is straight up wearing a Shadow of the Colossus mask. And, and I just realized that despite its flaws, it inspires people. That game's something about it. It's mm-hmm. like a broken hero who keeps who, who, who made an effort and maybe fell short. 
but people can't help but think lovingly and, and heroically about it, um, that's the one that calls out to me, Josh. I, I just I wouldn't have any problem if we were to reap it into the Hall of Games for what it symbolizes. Maybe not for its gameplay. Maybe it'll never be top five or top ten or anything. But I I I it it calls to me. That's for sure. What are your thoughts? I don't know if I disagree on any point of that because it's definitely a uh, I, I don't know an original yeah vision yep. that has not been quite met by any other game like there's never been a shadow of the clock like when i think of like elden ring there's you know elden ring trumps dark souls you know yes um yes. i don't know if there's a title like that for shadow like shadow there's been several that have tried and shadow itself because it's so old is now janky but nothing has ever quite captured what that game was and the spirit of it and the uh spectacle of it Nothing really has. Yeah. So in that way, honoring it by putting it in the Hall of Games, I think would would totally fly for me. I think that make perfect sense. Sounds good to me. Love it. It makes me want to go back and listen to the episode because I know we had good reasons for passing. Yeah, it. Yeah, we had plenty of good um, reasons. So maybe in the future we see, uh, oh, maybe some of those reasons, you know, are are truly going to cut it out and, and something else is going to take its place but uh, i'm more than happy to to place it into the hall of games well maybe years from now we will we'll have our uh, uh, an annual reaping episode you know maybe five years from now we'll have so many of the best of the best that shadow of the colossus will just be overshadowed by so sure. many good games that we have to reap it out again but but i think it deserves a mention in this list here it's almost like that lovable little brother that tries super hard but has like a terminal illness <laughs> that's terrible um you know what i sure. mean <laughs> and yes in so many morbid terms yes, yes. <laughs> um i think if mario plus rabbits could get an extra shot shadow of the colossus deserves an extra shot as well there you go all right we'll put it in then uh that means shadow of the colossus has been put back into our hall of games wow a big surprise there i was not expecting that and then immortals phoenix rising of course being removed goodbye sweet prince uh hope to never see you again uh, all right let's jump into our pick of the week and this week we're playing a game that has a lot of history for both of us and that is super mario sunshine Mario Sunshine came out, what is it, 2002 on the GameCube. Yeah. Long time ago. A lifetime has passed since then, Jared. 20 long years. Love you, long time. So most of our most of our lives, right, has taken place after this game was released. But let's talk about our history with it first, Jared. Both of us grew up in different ways surrounding, of course, this time period. And this game has its own impact on our history. So 
tell me about your time with it and and what this game means to you. Uh, Super Mario Sunshine entered my life in a time where I was doing a lot of game swaps with my only other friend who had a Nintendo GameCube. I only had one friend with a Nintendo GameCube, and he and I were swapping games back and forth. He was into games like, (coughs) excuse me, he was into games like FIFA, uh, Metroid Prime at the time. Um, not as much Mario Sunshine, which is why he let me have it. Um, but he also let me, he got me into Animal Crossing. He said, there's this fun little game and I loved running chores. I would go over to his house and be like, can I run a chore for a villager? You know, run an errand for a villager. And, um, and I played Mario Sunshine and he gave me Mario Sunshine and I gave him Need for Speed Underground too. And I just remember swapping games back and forth all the time, bringing them to church on Sundays and exchanging them. And the challenge that was Mario Sunshine at that age was unparalleled in my life until that point. Um, it was a, a 3D platforming adventure with, you know, Mario wasn't something that I was in love with. I wasn't a Mario fanatic or anything by any stretch of the imagination. And um, and yet this game called to me. It's captivating music scores, uh, the variety of each and every area that you could unlock, um, you know, when you first play it, it's a game full, full, full of mystery. And by the time I had put the game down for good up until, you know, uh, you know, five, six days ago when I picked it up just to refresh my memory on the game, um, it was a, 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 a title I look back with a lot of love and passion and a title that I had beaten three or four times um, over the course of my time with it. And it was, it's, it's a love letter to my childhood, really, is this game. And it's it'll forever be in my heart. And returning to it was more of a – it brought a, a faint grin to my face. You know, it wasn't this like, oh, man, it's still so good. It was more of a nostalgia trip for me. Um, but it is a, it's an unforgettable game, I will say that. And I, I did enjoy my, my latest playthrough of it. It felt familiar. It felt like home. Um, and so that that's my experience with Mario Sunshine. Josh, you – Mario has been something that you have been, you know, familiar with and good at for a long time. Um, how? What was your upbringing with this game like? Did you play it right when it was released? You were, let's see, if I'm 26 now and it came out 20 years ago, we would have been young, young when it came out. Yep. Little tiny childrens. I would not have played this when it first came out. Um, I don't even really remember seeing anything about it that's how young i was sunshine was the game that got away for me like in the mario franchise this is the one that actually slipped from my opportune grasp i grew up playing game boy advance versions of super mario bros one two and three and fell in love with those games i played super mario bros three like a trillion billion times i know that game like the back of my hand because of the game boy shout out uh And then Mario 64 became an intimate game to me because I played it on the Nintendo DS. I played the remake that was made for that. But I had also, that was one of the very few games I have memories of playing on the Nintendo 64. Mm. I was super young. Uh, My brother got a Nintendo 64 for Christmas. And the only games I remember getting, he got Super Mario 64. And I got Sesame Street 1, 2, 3. And... (laughs) I remember playing 1, 2, 3 every so often, but like 64, Mario 64 was like what I was enthralled with. I didn't play it, but watching my brother play it, just there were so many like foundational memories that were formed around that. And then when I got to play it on the DS, I just soaked it up. I 100%ed it. I played it out the wazoo. So 
that was my that was my start with Mario when Galaxy came out. That was when I was now having enough money I could buy things on my own. The Wii became like my my hyper obsession, like to the level of unhealthiness. I was <laughs> so focused on getting a Wii because of the Galaxy, because Mario Galaxy and the commercials. Like that was specifically why I wanted a Wii. Um, just like even just watching like star bits like get picked up on the screen was like so mm. magical. Like this, it's this. Mm-hmm. It's this magical, even just image that I can't quite ever recreate in anything. But um, that's my that's my focus. And so when I got a Wii and I got into Galaxy and I got into Smash Bros. Brawl and, and all these games, I all of a sudden was introduced to the fact that I was missing out on so much because I missed the GameCube era. I didn't have a GameCube. I didn't have any friends that had a GameCube. I had the PlayStation 2, and that's what I played. And then when I got a Wii, that was very much a departure. In fact, uh, my older brother and several other friends scoffed at me for even wanting Mm -hmm. a Wii because that Mm -hmm. was like, that was a kiddie console, you know? Um, So Sunshine then was the one I hadn't played. I had played Mario 64, I had played Galaxy, I had played 1, 2, and 3. I got new Super Mario Bros. when it came out. This was the one I played Super Mario World that was actually on the Game Boy Advance as well. That was one of the other ones that I played. Um, And this is the one I just had never touched. And so it became this mystery, this enigma to me that I was obsessive about potentially playing at some point. And at the time, it was very hard to do. Now, you could get a GameCube game and then uh, put that into the Wii. And when I figured that out, and a lot of this, honestly, was me just figuring stuff out. I didn't have anybody else in my life that was super into games like I was. So when I found out and realized, like, oh, I can actually, you know, backwards compat is what you call it, right? You play the games from previous consoles. Uh, on the Wii, I went to a GameStop and I found a Sunshine copy. I found a copy of Sunshine and Melee, Super Smash Bros. Hey. Melee. And I got both of them. And I just, like, for a week was obsessed with these <laughs> games. And that's when I played through them for the first time. And it, it was from the perspective of someone who had already played Galaxy, who had already played 64, who at this point uh, had started to listen to video game podcasts and heard people talk about Sunshine. Uh, very controversial game. A lot of people hate it. Uh, many people love it as well. It's it's one that I think, if you look at it objectively, is at the bottom rung of Mario games. But for me it was such an interesting thing and so to be able to play it finally was exciting now i want to tell you one thing before we move on from this but uh i actually when playing it for the first time i didn't realize that you needed a memory card it was on the nintendo wii it was backwards compatible i had to get a gamecube controller to play it but i never got a memory card and this was a problem that i had with all the gamecube games that i was trying to play with melee that meant that i wasn't able to unlock characters anytime that i played through the game uh there's no way to save it and so i never got more of those uh characters that weren't in brawl which is what i wanted i wanted the um dr mario's of melee that you couldn't get in brawl and in sunshine what that meant was i could not see a game over screen or the game was going to completely start over um which was mortifying when i first found out so i was playing through it I got I got through uh oh, what's the name of the first place? Uh Bianca Bianco Falls or something? Bianco like Hills. Um Hills, yeah, Bianco Hills. I, I got through that and was in Rico Harbor and I think I got to the third place and I ran out of lives. It was like just randomly I was in one of those horrific uh purgatory Mario <laughs> obstacle course levels. Yeah. 
and oh. you know had just died too many times and it was like game over oh. and i was like oh and then the game went back to the first cutscene and started playing through like them oh, landing man. on the island and i was like what in the world is going on so i like backed out i went to the menu no save file and i was shocked because oh. i thought i had saved it and then i realized i don't have a memory card so here's what I did, Jared. I was so intent on finishing this game that I played through it again without getting a game over screen, and that meant blood, sweat, and tears trying to find one-ups. So I was going and finding... I found one in the hub in Isle Delfino. Yep. Um, in the Delfino Plaza, there was a spot where I knew that there was a one-up, yep. and I would just go and get that anytime that I got close to a, a one to a zero. And that meant like I would log out. I'd leave a level, even if I was super far into it, uh, just because I was close to dying. And that made the game very intense. Oh, I've never man. had an experience like that before, where if I got a game over screen, it was a completely start over. And I got all the way through to... I didn't get to the final boss, but I got to all the other levels. So I played everything else. Uh, at the end of the game, you have to collect a certain amount of stars before you have access to Bowser. So I was in the process of that when I accidentally got a game over screen. And it completely started over. And I wanted to throw my gamecube controller i never touched the game again after that i was so heated oh i was my so goodness. mad because everything in that moment and i when i saw the game over screen i i kid you not i went white as a sheet i almost passed out like with how shocked and horrified oh my i was goodness man <laughs> with what was happening before my very eyes so i had gotten like i it had to have been like 50 stars or something oh. like all gone all gone and never played it again up until it came out on the Switch. And then I played through it and finally saw the final boss for the first time. Personally, I had watched a YouTube video on it, but uh, that's my history with this that game. That is a tremendous story. Oh, my God. I had no idea it had such an emotional impact on you. What a, yeah, what a horrifying emotional impact. Like, my goodness. I never would wish that on my worst enemy. Um, and <laughs> here I was. <laughs> dealing with that but it also that just means sunshine to me is such a unique experience because i had that that backing of like at any moment my whole game could completely start over like could you imagine dude could you imagine being in uh uh you're you're in sense fortress in dark souls and you die and it it. kicks you all the way back to the start of the game i do not want to talk about that anymore zero souls that is a nightmare zero armor zero weapon is a nightmare right there to think about <laughs> that's that's that, i mean obviously on a smaller scale that's that's what i went through with sunshine so uh got a history with it jared you do as well um but overall what would you say about sunshine i i think i've already said it in a short way but i think that this is you could say the worst mario mainline mario game um, what do you think about Sunshine, Jared? You know, I would, this is a little unfair to say, perhaps I would put it. So, okay. I was thinking a lot about this today. Uh, as I knew we were coming up on this podcast, I've been thinking about it a lot over the week. It, the emotional impact of this game is not strong enough for me to rank it the best Mario game. Um, not, not by a long shot. But I, I do think that this game and the overall impression of it epitomizes liquid sunshine. And, and sunshine Mario, Mario Sunshine is the epitome of what it would be like to vacation as Mario. It's, 
it's a fantastic i mean the plaza is overshadowed by this slight you know gray um you know tint to the whole game because of what's going on in the graffiti and in this whole concept of a, a paradise um besmirched by a, a graffiti artist who's who's out to do harm and what are some of the favorite summer activities that you think of you think of amusement parks you think of the sun beating down on the town square on the beach on you know you think of shade under palm trees you think of visiting your family in the suburbs the rolling hills you think of um you know again beaches you think of open air markets you think of there's so many different things you think of sunsets you think of the nighttime summers you think of uh, or excuse me, the, the summer nights, you know, that the crickets are out and there's this sense of awe and like cover and darkness and the moon and the stars and the, the, the summer air. This game has all of that. So the emotional impact, the nostalgia that's created by this specific world will always have a place in my heart um, because it really does epitomize everything that the sunshine and summer represents. Um, Mm. That's that's my overall impression of it. I I want you to think of like the hard work that you need to do in the summer of Rico Harbor. I want you to think of of the rolling hills of of Bianco Hills where, you know, there's windmills and it looks like a Dutch hillside and it's beautiful. I want you to think of Serena Beach, which is my personal favorite level, that 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 Hawaiian music just swooning you right back and forth in the sunset over that place. Um, mm. And then maybe a little bit of gambling in the casino with King Boo, you know, here and there. The incorporation of Yoshi, you know, for those familiar Mario elements, but just summertime, 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 summertime. This game has such a powerful grasp of what it means to be bathed in sunlight in all of its different forms. And I love it for that. Um, obviously, some Mario goodness and some variety in the levels and all this different stuff. But that's my overall impression of this game, Josh. Um, yours was obviously one of, like, abject horror. Um, <laughs> but, but tell <laughs> well, me more. that's talking about, like, the circumstances around it. Um, I think that I have a little bit more of a balanced perspective on this game. Now, my question for you, Jared... You're talking about the sunshine aesthetic. Obviously, that's the name of the game. They very much commit to that. Do you think it's two shades too much? No. In that, because it's all the same aesthetic, it almost doesn't... It doesn't capture the same level of... uh, vibrant uniqueness that comes in other market. Like, it, it blends together. I feel like it, it could be said that it blends together. Would you disagree with that? No, you could you could say that. Or the other way to look at it is that it's all part of the same community. Outside of Noki Bay, um, each of the places, and um, yeah, no, outside of Noki Bay, if I'm not mistaken, all of the places on the map can be seen from other places on the map. Um, Bianco Hills can be seen from Pina Village way up in the highlands. You can see Rico Harbor from Delfino Plaza. You can see Pina Park from uh, the Delfino Plaza. I'm getting, I'm getting, which is very nice. Yeah. It gives a sense of cohesion. I'm getting just the warmest vibes. As I describe this to you, you can see Serena beach, the hotel on Serena beach. I'm closing my eyes and thinking about it from the Ferris wheel of Pina Park. You can see, um, the, the lighthouse beach. I can't remember the name of it. Um, uh, it's not coming to me, but you can see Del- which one is the. I'm trying to think of which you one go into the lighthouse. Oh, Gelato Beach, Gelato Beach. You can see um, uh, 
Gelato Beach. Oh. You know, the the there's so the, this game takes place on an island that's the shape of a dolphin, and then you got the amusement park on the island. You know, off to the side and the airstrip and all this different stuff. The the um, it, it's a beautifully crafted little world of an island paradise, and I think that that cohesion works for the game as opposed to making everything seem the same. Now, there's obviously a good bit of variety in terms of theme and music and like every every area has eight levels um uh more than that in shine sprites which is the game's you know goal instead of stars it's shine sprites but each area has eight levels and some are in specialized locations that are abstract and they're like red coin collecting and they're you know the think of the sandbird flight of the sandbird stuff like that but i love the cohesion i i could see what you're saying everything is the same and it's all like it's it's too much but i love that because it's summer in all of its forms it's the sunset it's the beach it's the bay it's the lake it's the hills does that make sense so for me for me the cohesion really works for this game not against it okay i think that you your your take on that is actually something i hadn't quite thought through because uh, in a lot of games, we almost expect a, a wide variety, um, but there's something admirable about sticking with one focused theme and getting as much out of that as possible, because that's what the real world is like. If you go to Hawaii, you're going to get a Hawaiian climate all the way around that island. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get uh, the the frozen wastelands and the hot deserts and, you know, well, like what you get in a normal Mario right, game right, like Mario right, Galaxy or, right. or 64, like you're, you're going all over the place. So, I see some value there that I don't think I had seen before, um, and and part of that I think is the fact that these visuals are so dang freaking fine. Like, yes. they still hold up. Yes. It's, it's twenty years. It's been yes, twenty years, they do. and and they still look totally good. Like, way better than a lot of the other games that were released in two thousand two. So huge plus for sure, and that's just Nintendo's brilliance and mastery mm, mm. coming to fruition here. Um, and you're right. Like this is what you want a vacation to be. This is they wanted it to feel like Mario on a vacation, and that's what it feels like. And I love the conflict of yeah, someone going in and mucking it up. Uh, this mystery Mario who uh, and then Mario gets you know framed, which <laughs> yeah. is its own <laughs> very interesting turn of events. And uh, never thought I'd see that. It's it's so funny because this game is so unique in that way. Like no other Mario game is as uh talky and plot driven as this mario game is like they really tried to give you some some plot twists and stuff <laughs> that you just never see in a mario game um and so that was always fun uh I, I i just part of me when it comes down to it i i can't get over the fact that i do think that by the end of the game the sunshine theme is a little played out once you get to those last couple levels, it feels redundant, very redundant. Now, you pointed out several that are very original, even within the context of a singular aesthetic. Uh, Rico Harbor, uh, the beach with that wiggler on it, I think is fun, and you can go up onto the uh, sand bird or whatever that comes out of the egg as well, which was like one of the most stressful and uh, palm-sweaty uh, star shines. Oh I yeah, for sure. But I don't know. Like you get the roller coaster. That's cool. That was unique in its own way. Very annoying level in my opinion, <laughs> in some cases. Uh, but 
like once you get to the end like you get like the village that has uh all of the main dudes in it the big fat guys i can't remember what they're called um but it's the one that you can like go onto the bottom part and there's a lot of like climbing around on um the walls that he can climb on. I don't yep, know what yeah, Pina, Pina, Pina Village and like just those lattice works that Mario they have you climb yeah, on with Mario. And, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, the 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 village yep. was that's late game. Yep. In yeah, by the end, like once I was getting to that, and I think the one right before that with the uh, teeth monster, like that's the the one I specifically remember thinking. Also, like okay, this is kind of more of the same at this point. Um, it seems like they're running out of ideas. Both of those levels struck me as like they're kind of still just taking the watery, uh, the village in a hillside or whatever feel and redoing it again. Um, I mean, Bianca Hills is that, and they're doing it again with the village at the end. Um, the beaches. There's several beaches, and now you have this this bay as well. And uh, yeah, it's poisoned or whatever, and you can you can take care of that, and then the water's all clear, and that's nice. But it feels overplayed, in my opinion. By the end, um, it, it's it's a theme that runs out of steam, if I can say it in a rhythmic way. But I, that's not necessarily going to be how everyone feels about it. I think for me, maybe I just am more used to a variety in my Mario games. So by the end of it, I was, I was feeling it for sure. I, I can see that. I, I can see what you're saying. It's it, especially if you're the type of person that misses that distinct, every world is distinctly different kind of feel. I can certainly see that argument. And to be honest, I had never thought of it until now, but you're exactly right. This is something that Mario galaxy and Odyssey excel at is that you you are transported to literal different worlds same mechanics obviously literal different worlds and so it's um you know you get you can have all that tremendous variety um that you don't get with sunshine right. because it all takes place in the same island um so i certainly see that argument i just for me at least i don't know i guess it's all part of one giant level to me um and it, sure and to me that's sure. why I don't know. It just works. It works for me. But I do see that side of things. I do see that side of things. And I can see why when, you know, obviously you had Mario 64 and then Sunshine, it was almost like Mario 64 was so groundbreaking and it worked. Why wouldn't you just make a better version of that instead of doing whatever Sunshine is? Um, And so I can certainly see some fan pushback being, you know, reasonable at the time when this game was released. I've just always seen it in a loving sort of light um, that no, you know, other than Noki Bay, everything feels like it's in the right place at the right time. And being able to see as a kid, you know, being able to see giant palm trees behind the hills, uh, especially from uh, Pinta Park, um, the amusement park, and you get up on that Ferris wheel, which you have many opportunities to do, and you look back over the island and you recognize, oh, wait, that's Serena Beach. Oh, wait, that's Rico Harbor. Oh, wait, that's Del- you know Delfino Plaza. Uh, and that's Bianco Hills in the back. But what are those palm trees way in the back? It's the same feeling mm-hmm. that you get when you emerge from uh, the the catacombs in Limgrave and you see the fire giants bowl or whatever, the forge of the fire giants way up in the distance. And you realize, I'm going to go there eventually. Um, it's that same feeling of world exploration, just they were doing it back in 2002. So for me, it, it was more 
of that excitement. It just got me more hyped to think that I could see the next world I was going to. It was a teaser as opposed to, you know, the next time I see a title flash across my scene screen, it's the frosty worlds. I'm like, Oh, well, I know what to expect. Um, and you know, Mario Odyssey. Right. Um, so I, I think that for me, at least it's a, I was never addicted to the traditional Mario formula because this was my first real Mario game. Up until this point, my only experience to Mario as a kid was with Super Smash Brothers Melee, thinking he was a mid-tier Melee character, which he is in that game, um, and not really caring to use him. So I was like, I don't know what the big deal is. So for me, Sunshine was my first introduction to it, and so I wasn't addicted to a certain way of thinking about Mario. Um, hmm. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I did... For the levels that you're talking about, it's funny. I had to remember my this most recent playthrough. I just zoomed through it. I beat the game in under shoot under eight hours. I think it didn't take me that long. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's very doable. And 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 I that's because I was familiar with it, obviously, and I wasn't really, you know, rushing in any particular way. I was just kind of just doing it casually. And I remember that that first when you get to Pinta Village and everything's on fire for the first time, uh, or maybe that's mm. the second or third. I don't remember. Um, you have to navigate that under area of the village because it's floating up on some massive trees and there's some mushrooms down there, um, which is used for another, you know, uh, uh, backpackless game, water, waterless game, um, where you have to, you're transported to another place. But I remember as a kid being so frustrated with that specific area. Whereas when I played at this last playthrough, I remember you run across the bridge, you, go to the left, you jump on the railing and then you take the second drop down. And then that's the fastest way to get to the mayor and finish that level. So for me, it was like all that frustration hmm. was gone because, you know, I wasn't sure. playing it through for the first time. Um, or even, you know, I just memorized it based just about when I played it through years ago. So for me, all that frustration was gone. It was nothing but nostalgia this last time around. Um, but when it comes to the gameplay, if you had to rank the Mario games, in terms of gameplay and mechanics and all this different stuff, what did you think about Mario Sunshine in in regards to the others? You saying mechanics? Yeah, mechanics wise. Yeah. Uh, the crux the crux of any Mario game is his movement. That's that goes without saying, I think. And in this game, Sunshine, that's one of the parts of this game that's hard to pick apart. It, I think, is definitely inaccurate and messy compared to some of the other games. Yes. But that's also low-key part of its charm. It's a little bit more challenging because of that. You got that, like, anytime you turn around, he'll do, like, a skid if you're not careful. You know, if you don't do it in a roundabout way. And that can really throw you off in your jump if you're not paying attention to it. Because you jump a little bit too high or you go a little bit too far and now you miss your platform because there's a lot of precision platforming in this game. Yes, yes. So at first that sort of thing really bugs me. It's like infuriating. Like every time you go to do a 180 degree turn, you got to deal with that. But once you get a feel for that, you realize it's actually an asset. Like it's actually something that you want to use and like kind of position Mario and flip around and you even see Shadow Mario do it a bunch where yep. it's obvious that he's getting to higher places because he's utilizing that flip. Um so when I'm thinking mechanics, hmm, this is one of the better ones because you have you have I think just so many different options and jumping that aren't necessarily in the other games. Now you do have 
a lack of that as well. You don't have a long jump in this game, which that is in most yes. other Mario games. Yes. Uh, yes. So there's an exchange going on, but this one moves a lot faster than especially the ones around it, uh, the, the Mario games surrounding it. Uh, you got Flood, which is why this game was built. Flood was the original concept that Miyamoto wanted to have. He said, hey, let's make a Mario game with a water jug <laughs> I don't know what words. Uh, a water hose you know massive uh water backpack that you can use as part uh uh jetpack part you know cleaning things off and he built the entire idea like you you literally have the vacation sunshine theme because he wanted a water backpack on mario uh so what is the word for flood i'm not using the right word what do you call what do you call flood um I don't remember. F L U D D stands for something. Uh, yeah, the, but I'm no, like, he's, you, he's essentially like a piece okay. Of equipment. Imagine if you had a water hose coming over your shoulder, um, and it's attached to a water source, but it's movable. It moves with you. That's essentially what Mario's working with. He's working with a water hose that he can turn on and off over his shoulder, and you aim it um, like you have a Boba Fett jetpack on. Like that's how you work with it, and it's uh, it's funky. It was. You know, groundbreaking at the time. Obviously, Mario had never had tools up until that point, other than his, you know, the fire flower and stuff like that. But um, in, in far as like changing your movement and stuff, but but yeah, I, I. So all right, so keep going, keep going. So so flood actually gives you a a huge degree of movement opportunities, uh, different options. I think this game more than any Mario game up until Odyssey. Odyssey gives you more somehow and yep. that was something yep. that was a huge benefit and boon to odyssey but that hadn't been done in years odyssey came out just recently in 2017 and so up until 2017 sunshine actually had the most base movement options of any mario game to that point uh and that's thanks to flood so from a mechanics standpoint, I think this is one of the better Mario games. Like, and because of that, that's why so many people love it. They can look past yeah. perhaps the the aesthetic that's overplayed, and look past the really goofy story, and and look past some of the annoying starshine uh, levels, and instead see what this game obviously wants to show off, which is how insanely honed its mechanics are. Now it's a little bit slippery. Which is good. I like that. It makes it a little bit stressful. Um, you've got that skid in there, so it's definitely going to push you. Uh, you have to be accurate, especially when you get to the the obstacle hellscapes, uh, where dude, oof, where yeah, where uh, Bowser Jr. shows up, takes Flood away from you, and now it's just you and Mario, and you don't realize how much you rely on Flood until that happens, and now Floodless, you have to go to the very end of these ridiculous obstacle courses that are like, there is nothing like this in any other Mario game. And trust me, I've played all of them. Uh, Mario sunshines, insane obstacle courses that pop up all the freaking time too. It's not like it, it's, it's the hardest part of each level. It's like, no, 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 it happens like six or seven times. Uh, it seems like in, in each of these particular, uh, uh, locations, like, uh, they're they're showing off in those, right? They're showing you how 
specific and precise the jump is how specific and precise his movement is and to show you that hey slipperiness is is a danger you know when those cubes are flipping around and you got to be careful that mario doesn't decide to slide on his butt all of a sudden because he's now at an angle and now you die um it it pushes you It, it pushes you in a way that few platformers will um, it reminds me very much of Super Meat Boy. I'm not sure if you've had the pleasure of playing that game, Jared. No, but I haven't. It, it has just a little bit of a slip and slide to it, kind of like Sunshine does. And because of that, it makes it just a little bit harder. The precision has to be a little bit more on top. You have to be on top of your precise game a little bit more than you would a normal platformer. Uh, and Sunshine has all of that. When I think of the mechanics, I think an A and A plus rating. Um, and that's a little distinct from perhaps a lot of other uh, parts of this game. I don't know if I would necessarily say that for all of them. But when it comes to the mechanics, I'd say A+. Welcome now, back, Jared. With the yeah, Thank you. Sorry about that. With the, um, the, the, the yeah, those crazy backpackless runs in which you had to figure out how to move with Mario, those are by far the most frustrating parts of the game, um, mm-hmm. other than some notable exceptions, because it feels like such a departure from what you were, you've spent hours getting used to. Um, and I can certainly see why that frantic flipping back and forth, and really this sense of dread that you get, I remember distinctly as a kid, the sense of dread of going into this place where I knew my backpack was going to be taken, um, and knowing that it was the source of a lot of frustration and the source of a, a, lo- a tremendous loss of life, <laughs> never heretofore seen on a Mario game, um, that and those levels were short and violent, like they were e- either nailed it in a beautiful rhythm or you died mercilessly, and there was like no in between. And and to be frank, they weren't the most impressive platforming levels, at least from that perspective like i just think to be perfectly frank i would much rather do a neon white level than do any of those mario levels in in which you don't have your backpack oh yeah well that's because in neon white they're building it specifically to be enjoyable in sunshine they're trying to kill you and telling you to screw yourself (laughs) yes and you really do feel that sense of like helplessness and frustration in those levels and uh, i if I read it, I read an article the other day that was like Mario Sunshine is the worst Mario game, and here's why, right? And and his whole argument was that Odyssey was the best because it's the best mechanically and all this different stuff, uh, and it sticks to the traditional Mario formula, all this whatever else. Um, and he brought up some of the points that you have so far, but I certainly, even as someone who loves Sunshine, cannot deny that those backpackless missions almost feel like torture, um, if if sure. not outright, because the whole game is centered around using Flood. And then he's gone. And then somehow at the end of it, he, you know, your Mario impersonator just gives it back. Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of like, what? You know, Um, I was just as a person playing them as a kid and even recently, because there was some, even in this last playthrough, I died like six or seven times in one level. I was like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? Um, But you got to do it to advance the advance the game. But I. It was just thinking, this is silly. This is just, this is not where this game stands out. And uh, I, I can agree wholeheartedly with that. You know, another place where I don't know that the game stands out is in the preciseness of Flood himself. Um, for sure. instance, 
there's a level in which you have to, it's Serena Beach, it's level three or four, I don't remember, and you have to go into the casino and you have to flip all of the, the question mark cards to the shine to get the door to open so you can go down and challenge King Boo. Um, and that is a nightmare because the water coming out of flood spritz in several different directions. Once mm. you hold down the trigger long enough, you get a full stream of water. But up until that point, it's like coughing water. It's like the last gasps of a you know a hose when you shut it off. Little sprinkles go everywhere. And that can absolutely ruin that one specific thing because you're trying to get only certain cards wet because you're using it as a projectile to flip them over. And so you're just going back and forth, and out of frustration, you'll spray water on the whole thing to start over and try to freshen it up. Um, and there's a couple mechanics like that, specifically in Serena Beach, that use that. And it's just the preciseness is lacking in certain mm-hmm. areas. So it's like there's a contrast between when you have to be precise and when you have to make do with you know, imprecise um, uh, mechanics. And so that that's a... It's a game that doesn't work very well with that. Do you remember the Pinta Village um, level where you had to do, I don't know what backpackless run is what I like to call them, but do you remember the level where they have to throw you behind them to get you? Oh my goodness, dude. That's one of the worst, man. It's I horrible. I hate that shine, yes. It Bar is none, horrible. one of the worst ones, for sure. Ugh. It, that is the most frustrating. So for anyone who hasn't played the game yet, and I will say this, I, if you love Mario, go play Sunshine. You'll probably love it. It's really and it's now that it's on the Switch, it's easier than ever to play. You don't have to go into an old game store and buy a GameCube to play it. Um, but that level specifically, there's these characters that are heavy duty, and they show up in other Mario franchises. In fact, Pinta uh, Pinta is one of my favorite characters in Mario Baseball because he was a heavy hitter. Oh. He was really good at home runs. So I remember playing with him as a kid, and I love that crossover. The Mario sports games are fantastic. Have you played Strikers yet? Not yet, no. Not yet. I, I'm thinking of getting it, and I don't even like soccer. But anyway, so my this, thing with this, that this I've pizza... heard is that the uh, AI is very bad. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just well. word of caution. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Um, the GameStop guys at the one down my street know me, though. <laughs> I brought I brought games back. I was like, I hated this, and they're like, we're very sorry. <laughs> um, like with the Lego Star Wars game, but um, yeah, <laughs> the uh, so. The Panta character is a heavy-duty character, so what they'll do is they'll grab Mario, you as, and you have to position yourself just right. They'll throw you behind them, and you have to land on, like, slivers of a ledge. And if you don't time it right, they'll literally throw you into the abyss, and there goes your life. So yep. it is, it's not a good mechanic at all, um, especially because they give you one shot to learn how it works, and then they toss you to the wolves, and it just—it's miserable. It is not a fun experience. And those backpackless runs, the floodless—oh, floodless—that's a much better word. The floodless <laughs> runs are not not bueno, not bueno at all. Um, I would also say that in terms of gameplay, the worst aspect of this game is how boring and bad Corona Mountain and the final boss fight is. It is. Oh, dude, yeah. Hands down, yes. the worst Mario final boss fight, Josh. I, I mean, it sounds like you agree. It's one of the worst in most video games. <laughs> yes, it's so bad. What a tragedy. Like, what were they thinking? I don't know what was going on with that. Yeah, I know they were trying to make best use of the flood, but no. they failed. Just downright yeah. failed. Even that. Like, they they did it so much better in so many other parts of the game. Yes, exactly. I, um, yeah, no, that was like... I was mad 
by the end of that game. Like it is, it is so bad. And Bowser talking sounded so goofy, and Ugh. he's just chilling in a hot tub. He never Horrible. like he's not an actual threat. Mike, Mike, yeah, no. Um, and it's a it's a joke. It's not hard at all. The hardest part is getting there, and it's not because it's fun or complex in a fun way. It's because you're trying to push yourself with the flood on that like lava river. And you have to be like precise in how you're moving and it's not easy to do. And it's just a, it's rough. It's like it. Yeah. One of my least favorite parts of the game. Um, another, yeah. So for anyone who's wondering, you get to Corona mountain relatively easily. I mean, the whole town floods, they kind of funnel you towards it. Obviously, um, you have to jump across these platforms, which is not challenging. I mean, you have the hover mechanic. You can literally, it's too easy. Uh, and then you, you, get to this point where you jump in a boat and you have to steer counterintuitively backwards um, to direct the boat. And if you start going too fast, it's not that easy to slow down. And then you can hit a pillar really easily and you one shot, you're done. If you hit the pillar, you don't lose a life. Your whole boat goes down and you drown in the lava. Um, and then you have to climb up these clouds with the rocket nozzle, um, which is already an imprecise science trying to use that thing. Mm-hmm. Um and then you finally get to the hot tub where Bowser shows up, and he hasn't been there the whole game. You've right. been dealing with Junior Bowser the whole game. And Peach is just chilling on a rubber ducky in yeah. a bathtub, I guess. <laughs> and, and you have to break the tub, and it's oh, floating gosh. in space. I'm literally it, cringing right now. It doesn't make sense. Like, none of it makes sense. Why? How is there a hot tub floating in the middle of Corona Mountain? When you fall down after breaking the hot tub, and why is the bathtub green? like none of it makes sense it's horrible it's arguably the worst boss fight for such an a-plus franchise that i've ever played in my life yeah yeah you're (laughs) you're so right i can't i cannot agree more the final boss is the the reason why in my opinion this game doesn't make it into the hall of games we'll get there uh if there's no other reason like you can just cite that Oh my goodness. And that I think part of it is the story itself is just goofy. Yeah. And they kept with the goofiness and then at the end it just falls flat because of that. Like there's like such a different feel to the final boss here and one in sixty four or in Galaxy. Um there's like pure epicness as compared to this like whoopee cushion of a boss fight. Like just awful in so many different ways. Uh <laughs> and boss fights in general in this game are pretty low tier. Very, they very are D level. I mean, the PD Piranha fight is is uh, it, it getting to him is harder than the boss fight itself, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's tedious and annoying. You have um, the the King Boo ghost fight is very tedious and annoying. Incorporating slots into the boss fight was not a good idea. Um, some of them are fun. Most of them are tedious i think of um one of my favorite bosses for the concept and the satisfaction of it was the eel with the the rotten teeth i was that gonna was say f- that one was one of my favorites too however uh mario's flood should be ideally very easy to maneuver in water and it is awful it's it hard, is yeah. it is stupidly hard it makes no sense how fast you accelerate. Did you get to the point where you might have? I don't. I don't know. But I, if you beat it, the the where you had to find the red coins in that same cavern in Noki Bay, um, yeah, and it's in the shape of a fish, and then it flies away. 
Uh, yes. Not this last playthrough, but I have seen that before. It is one of the worst designed levels ever. This fish is only intact for like a quarter of the way around the room, and then it splits off and the coins go flying. Absolutely no chance to get them. You're trying to collect eight red coins. And then Mario's backpack, the flood in the water, is horrible to maneuver. Absolutely mm-hmm. horrible. Um, so frustrating. And it, it makes no sense why it would be frustrating. It should be nice and easy, and it's just the worst. It's absolutely the worst. And um, uh, you can drown in that level. Go figure. You, if you run out of <laughs> oxygen. So you got to, like, depart, go find some coins, and right. then... It, it just it's awful it is the worst yeah. mario water level ever designed ever <laughs> it's not good um uh, there are some i might yeah. have a couple of objections to that but i do think you make a good point and flood in general you said this already but flood just like it's a little too mushy like a little too messy in yeah. a variety of its aspects so definitely underwater as well and you you overuse the hover mechanic, and you don't use the rocket mechanic, for, except for two reasons. One, the final boss fight. Which, why am I not using all of my nozzles? It's really ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. you, you couldn't have designed if you had designed a gauntlet of all of my different nozzles, of which there are three. Right, you got the hover nozzle, and then you have the water flow the speed rocket nozzle it's like the speedboat nozzle whatever makes you go really fast across water and then you have the rocket nozzle which launches you a certain degree up into the air all of those are you know they're utilized in different areas but the final boss fight only uses the rocket nozzle it's absolutely foolish it like makes no sense um how they've set it up but it it is what it is we already talked about the boss fight literally even just what you said like sounds so much better like literally anything would be better than what that boss fight was like give me anything else than what that was yeah it's so anticlimactic and you don't even get peach back this is the thing that like never made (laughs) sense to me as a kid once you rescue peach credits roll and then the game returns to how it was before uh you fought bowser Mm-hmm. And as a kid, that never made any sense. And I remember that same feeling, um, too. Even the most recently feeling that feeling was with um, Breath of the Wild. Like, Ganon just never dies. You have to beat him a thousand times, but he never dies. He's always in that castle. And that's, like, maddening to me. But it is what it is. It's the way Nintendo likes to do things. Um, but but anyway, I've talked way too much. Josh, tell me some of the things that you... tell me. You you talk now. <laughs> Tell me what you liked about this game. <laughs> well, we're kind of all over the place here. Let's ask a couple of questions specifically about, um, let's see, we talked about gameplay. Let's talk courses a little bit more. Um, what was your favorite course, Jared? Course. And by course, do you mean the Floodless Run the, or just? Sorry, the, uh, by course, usually when I say like Mario course, I'm talking about just like the levels, the worlds within the. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So what, so, there's like a total of, of eight, ten of these? There is eight in each world, and then you've got, uh, I want to say... Well, I'm talking say, about the worlds themselves. How many of them are there? I don't remember. you got Serena Beach. Uh, I'm counting, Village. so I'm looking at it right now, and it's I'm counting eight. Eight. Okay, so eight by eight. Uh, there's eight levels in each of the eight levels, and uh, eight courses in each of the eight levels, and they all build on one another, so the worlds don't change too much from course to course. Right. Um, Bianca Hill is obviously a great favorite. I would actually have to say that if I had to rank order them, uh, and then I'll tell you my favorite course after this, if I had to rank order them, it'd be Serena Beach. Something about the tone and mood of that location 
um, gives you a much needed variety, like we talked about right at the start of the conversation. Um, and then after that, Rico Harbor is my next one. I love the verticality of Rico Harbor, especially Ooh. in the caged shine sprite level, which is one of my favorites. Um, you have to traverse those thin platforms the whole way. And it can be a little annoying, but you have multiple ways to do it. It's fun. Um, you have the hover nozzle and like, you don't die when you fall off. You just fall into the water, which I really like. So it's, it's kind of like a, a floodless run, but with flood and there's not as much extreme consequences. So I like that. It's a long um, way back when you fall. It is, it is, it is. Um, that rocket nozzle is in there though. So when you, if you have to come back to that after getting the rocket nozzle, it's a little easier. That's fun. Um, I really like Serena Beach, though. That was my favorite place. And that first one with the electric manta ray that splits into a thousand pieces is a brilliant use of the flood mechanic. Um, mm. That's that's one of my favorites for sure, uh, if not my top favorite. But um, let's see what else. Uh, I really enjoyed um, the Sandbird is actually one that I love. Yeah. I hated it as a kid, but I love that level. Um, yeah. That one's tremendous. I really enjoyed um, the Pinta Village. The lava level was, despite having to undergird the village and like go underneath, once you figure it out, is a really pretty level, and I like that a lot. Um, let's see. I would probably have to say, though, my favorite of all time is the mystery inside the hotel where you have to jump through the ceiling to finally hmm. get to the shine sprite. Uh, you have to do several things at once. You have to figure out secret entrances in. You have to figure out which doors on all three floors are unlocked. You have to incorporate Yoshi into your movement. Uh, and you have to use Flood in a fun way. There's numerous blue coins all over the place. Interesting characters. It's mystery. It takes place at night. And then... You, I don't know. I just really like that one. That one's probably my favorite um, of all of them, although I'm, I'm sure my mind is blanking. But Serena Beach in general, I love that place. Um, okay. that, was, that, was, that was fantastic. Uh, how about you, Josh? Tell me. Well, I, I, I'm, I was thinking more like the world itself, not a specific level, but that's interesting that you bring out the hotel. I did not like the hotel <laughs> very much. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's just because I played it when I was older, so the complexity of that search was annoying more than anything to me um but i get why that would be enjoyable and the hotel itself is fun like the uh, popping out of the ground you go in for the first time and you're trying to figure out what's going on with all the ghosts and there's like a a lot of levels to it which is a a big surprise because that really doesn't happen in many of the other levels uh in that like you go into another area that's just as yep. interesting and robust. Um, my personal favorite has to go to Rico Harbor. Uh, mm. uh, mostly because of the music. <laughs> but yes, also, okay. I'm so glad I'm not alone here. Keep going. I love Rico Harbor music, dude. Love, 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 love. The music in this game is fantastic. And yes, Rico Harbor is. is a great example of that. Uh, you'll probably hear that in this podcast. But uh, that one's got to be my favorite because of the music, because of the aesthetic of it. I think that was when I really started to get a feel for the game because it forces you to um, with trying to climb on everything and jump everywhere. You have to get better at the specific mechanics and uh, utilizing Flood and whatnot. So it, it got me there, which was nice. And um, I just had a good time. I like the, the uh, racing with the... Uh, squids I don't, I don't know why i was having a hard time thinking that um those are fun as well there is 
one, I think it was a red coin one that was like really infuriating. But that was some of the red coin levels. In general, the red coin levels were not my favorite. They do them yeah. a little bit too much too. Like sometimes it's like two or th- at least two of like that uh, the eight that are in each course. Yep. So give and take there. I think one red coin would have been fine, but sometimes they overdo it and uh, overutilize, and then sometimes it's very annoying as well. So I would say for sure, Rico Harbor is my favorite. I also like gelato beach i like the village i do i think like i said like the aesthetic of it of it at that point was getting kind of bland but i like you know you have to like uh lure out the uh chain chomps and then yeah the lava kind of covers the whole thing you got to figure out your way around it and um there's a lot of fun twists to that level that i didn't see coming and that made it made it made it fun um so that one would be close as well I definitely don't like the roller coaster. Um, don't like that level. No siree. Um, you could cut that out and I'd be perfectly happy. Uh, it, it makes for an interesting like first major boss fight against Bowser Jr. Because you got to jump on the roller coaster and everything and, and go for it from there. But otherwise, never cared for that. I don't know how you felt about that particular level. I thought it was cool to see it and like getting there through the cannon was cool. It's first time. Uh, yeah. You know, just a fun experience in and of itself. But the actual content of that course I did not care for one bit. Um, I really like the roller coaster levels, both of them. Uh, or maybe there's just one, I can't remember. But no, I, I enjoyed those. I, I don't know. As a kid, they I enjoyed them much more. As an adult, yeah, I could probably go without now. But as a kid, I really liked those. <laughs> Would you cut the floodless obstacle levels? No, I would just redesign them. They're they're okay. they're poor platforming levels, very poor. Um, they could be some of the mechanics work, like the flipping platforms. I don't know if you remember the red to blue flipping mm-hmm, platforms. Mm-hmm. That's a great mechanic. That works. That's that's fantastic. Um, but these whole three D rotating in space things, it doesn't work. The slippage, like f- sliding off of these these things, it it's teeth grinding in every sense of the word, and it's not fun, <laughs> and it's it's tedious it takes so long to do because they move so slowly um I, yeah they those are not well designed i would redesign them i wouldn't get rid of them but i would redesign them because it does challenge you and it could be it could be complementary to flood but instead it's it's just poor it's very poor um, yeah maybe if they made it like an option on the side as opposed to being like a part of the main game so often like maybe like have it as like oh in this world there's an extra shine sprite that you have to go into the cave and then down into the obstacle course to, yes to guess yeah just for you to find instead of have to do yes totally agree yeah instead they force it on you which is yeah. th- that also like red coins you could say that for this game and you know some of the more annoying levels like are the ones that take longer it's like ah oh, i have to do it though because then i can't access the rest of this level <laughs> right exactly. so like I felt about that way actually about your favorite Serena Beach, um, the first time I played it and that massive manta ray I think killed me like twice, just because I was feeling overwhelmed by it. Honestly, it really isn't that hard once you just focus on avoiding it. Um, my trick was to go down to the waterline, and then they wouldn't be able to paint as well, so I wouldn't get shocked. But 
that repelled me. I remember kind of dying a couple times of that and then not going back to that level for the longest time uh, yeah. back when I first played it, uh, when I was trying not to get a game over. And then when I finally went back and did it and went into the hotel, then there was just a couple of other shine sprites there that were a lot more complex than the rest of the game and left me scratching my head a lot more than I wanted at that time. Uh, so it just always kind of felt like, oh, I have to get through this to get to the next thing because that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would, and the game kind of does that a lot, I think. The Serena Beach levels are another level of complex. I don't know why there's such a gap. I don't know if it was the creator's favorite. I don't know. I doubt it. But And, um, and objectively, and now that I've played through it a couple times, I like them. I appreciate them a lot more. I think just that original trying to figure them out was just stressful to me. <laughs> Yeah, I as a kid, Serena Beach was always the hardest level, and I think that's why I love it so fondly. It was like my first, you know, Dark Souls for kids, you know, essentially. Sure. And <laughs> that also too, objectively, the the level in which you have to you have to beat the time to clear up all the goop, that is a great use of flood as well. The time trials to erase graffiti yeah. is fantastic. Like it should have been done more throughout the game. In fact. Uh, a time trial in each of the maps to erase the goop should be an easy yes for every area. Rico Harbor, uh, maybe Rico might be a little difficult to do because it's so vertical. But Pinta Village, like, that should absolutely be... And actually, Pinta Village did have one of those where you have to uh, help out the villagers. Um, but time trials were one of the best ways to use Flood in this game. Um, much better than the Floodless Runs or the Red Coins. Um so I'm with you, but Serena Beach was difficult as a kid. I definitely spent the most hours in Serena Beach, and I think that's why mm. I remember it so fondly. Um, Pinna Park was always always had relatively easy levels as a kid, um, as did Bianco Hills. So those don't stand out as much, I don't think. But and also too, the music. As soon as you drop into Serena Beach, that music just soothes my soul. I don't know what yeah. it is about it, but I yeah. really like that. No, and that's like a lot of this game. The music uh, of each level almost makes it more memorable and iconic than some of the scenery uh mm -hmm. in my opinion the music really sticks out really great fantastic design uh the the sound design in general is pretty good uh the the flood sound like i think water sounds can get tired over the course of time but i felt like it was always fairly satisfying and yeah. that but plays into the use of flood as well even though he is a little bit mushy and the way that flood controls and mario is too in this game the inaccuracy is almost a part of what makes this game uniquely challenging and fun in some way. Now, sometimes that, that ends up going to a crossroads, like the inaccuracy of the mechanics crosses over at the same time that the terrible level design does. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you're just dying over and over on an obstacle course or whatever. Uh, but otherwise, like this game, I'd say in in the design of the levels themselves in each of these different courses and then in uh, Mario's gameplay himself, the way that he controls, is still top-notch Nintendo quality. And there's an inherent joy to a Mario game and playing them that is still present here. Like, even playing yes. again, I was not bored. Like, I, and that's just because I'm a Mario nut, so I, I can play these any day of any part of the year and I'm going to have a good time. Uh, but that's here like all of that's here and i don't want to deny the game that 
by any stretch of the imagination. But that being yeah. said, Jared, there is one part of this game that is such a glaring, in my opinion, flaw that I need to get your opinion of it, and that's its story. What did you think of this? Tell me, Jared, what like if this were a YouTube channel and you were reviewing the Super Mario Sunshine anime and just a, a five minute, not even that long, but just a review over like the plot and these characters and what happens here. What would what would you say? Um, there is no reason to have things follow consecutively follow the way that they follow. So think of Mario Galaxy, right? Bowser shows up to the castle with new tech, blasts lasers into the ground, and takes the entire castle with him, okay? Scope, scale, stars. You, Star Festival, like, you have a reason to be there in that time mm-hmm. and place. Mario's just on vacation. There's this blue figure that, yeah, it's in the shape of him, but it's so clearly not him that it's, like, yeah. weird. And <laughs> and then, too, like, the, the gizmo, like, Flood itself is just sitting there. Where's Professor Egad? Like, What's up? Like, you know, he Egad gives um, J- Junior Bowser the paintbrush, which is kind of an odd thing. Like, I don't know why the paintbrush gets given to the crappy kid, but whatever. Um, and then the gizmo is just left on the airstrip conveniently. That doesn't make any sense. Narratively, Mario shows up. Um, you know, Junior Bowser or something like that looks more like him i suppose that's kind of swallowable that's fine and then egad shows up and says well here's the deal mario instead of sitting behind prison you still need to clean up your island let me give him this tool and then you whatever else he gets free reign so i don't have too many problems with the narrative it could be tightened up just a little bit okay but it's certainly like as far as existential dread that you feel when it comes to mario galaxy like the whole galaxy is on the high alert for bowser or or Bowser's trying to forcibly marry Peach, and I need to hurry there as fast as possible um, in, in Odyssey. Or, you know, in, even in 64, when she's been taken from the castle and you have to, Peach is trying to leave you little clues so you can help her out. Like, even all of that is much more compelling than the story here, which is, this is so obviously a setup. You know what I mean? Um, sure, and, sure. And, that's that's kind of how I feel. I, it's just a weaker narrative. I don't necessarily have too many problems with it, but there is some holes, and it's too convenient for the gizmo just to show up. I don't know. It feels like Flood is such a random addition. If you were to think, yeah. like, all right, how is Mario going to handle these gooey things? The first thing that you I would think of is not a backpack water hose. <laughs> um, but yeah. I like I like the incorporation of the graffiti, um, and you know I, I don't know I, there. This, what what bothers you so much about it, Josh? I don't know if it's like any particular thing. I think it's just obviously very cheesy, but not in yeah. like a fun cheesy. Just in like a like, oh my gosh! Like my uncle Jameson, who got hit with a crowbar ten years ago and now hasn't been the same since, is just like making a scene at yes. the family <laughs> gathering. Like oh, That's like funny. I don't want to see this right now. You know. Um, yeah. It's kind of more like that throughout. Now it's it's still fine. The the voice acting's awful. Like especially again, like that the court scene at mm-hmm. the beginning. Oh my goodness! Like yeah, there's like no actual structure. It's all black. Like it's just the like characters standing in blackness because they didn't actually take the time to even render a building. Right, right. And then the guys like overruled. You know, community service. Clean up the 
I, I don't know. Just all of it. I was like, okay, all right. Like this is a Mario game from 2002, and I am so glad that they haven't tried anything like this since. I mean, this is this is fully voice acted. Bowser's got a voice. Uh, it's every single Mario game since then has it's all text. <laughs> um, yep outside of like a mario and Luigi, but like they tried like i i appreciate that like they tried like they tried something here you know like i i appreciate that um but i don't i don't want it <laughs> like whatever they tried here like what hot garbage i just don't want it uh yeah. at least going forward now there there have been good mario stories i mean have you ever played a mario and Luigi game jared i have not those games are fun, and they've got great stories. They've got fun, goofy. They're not voice acted. I don't know how I'd feel if they were voice acted, but like, they've got cool little narratives and plot twists. And this game has that. I think that you know, I think of Shadow Mario, and I think of his mystery identity at the start of the game, especially before you've played it. Uh, I'm sure you experienced that as a kid. I kind of went in with the knowledge, you know, uh, when I first played it. But that's a fun little mystery. Who the heck is this fake Mario? Yeah. And why is he? you know, painting goop and causing the shine sprites around the island to disappear. Yeah. And then there's this twist of, oh, Bowser Jr. And that's interesting. New brand new character for this particular game. And uh, what's going on with him? He's calling Peach his mama. And yeah. of course he's he's Bowser, so like what's up with what that? happened yeah. with Peach and Bowser? <laughs> like what's, yep, yep, what's going yep. on there? Um Peach is playing, you know, none the wiser, but we all know something else is going on. It has a fun sense of progression in that way. Um, not as much as perhaps it could have used. Like you said, it doesn't play out in every single way that it could have. Uh, and then the ending is just awful. Oh, that's part of why I think that this one's just not that great. Uh, but they tried something. They tried something. And it and it does give you a good enough premise to, to explore this island and to enjoy yourself while you're at it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I am. Um, I I can agree. It's definitely one of the weaker Mario stories. Um, I, well, I don't there's not see... very many strong ones. Like it's not like there's a a legendary narrative to pull from here. But whatever they tried here, just for to me, fell flat. It did fall flat. Yes, I would agree. Yeah, they're they're doing more than past games. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't quite work. It doesn't really fit the Mario genre really. So I can agree with that criticism. I think that's good. And again. Just to be frank, like the game excels in a couple different areas, but it certainly is not an S tier level game, nor is it the best Mario game. Really, I think it's very clearly not the best, um, and I I don't know that you could you could make that argument objectively and make it stick. Um, hmm. Now, favorite that's different. Um, I would say that if I had to rank the Mario games. Maybe not even objectively, but in terms of overall, my first and foremost is Mario Galaxy. That game did something that no other Mario game has done for me. Um, second would be Mario Odyssey. Third would be Mario Sunshine for me. And then 64 coming up last just because it's it's old. But um, And I haven't played Gal- Galaxy 2, although I don't hear the best things, but um, it's fine. But the it, it's, it holds a special place. But it certainly isn't. Um, it isn't perfect by any means, and I I don't need to pretend so. I also 
think just as kind of a side note randomly um what did you think of the 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 piantissimo do you remember that guy yeah, the guy that you chase around who looks like he's wearing parts of the Piantas, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you? <laughs> it sounds really morbid when you say it like that. Do you? Um, do you know where he's from? Does he show up in any other Mario games? Um, I don't think he shows up in any of the other ones. He's supposed to be the same idea from Mario sixty four. If you've gotten to any of the levels where you uh, race the Koopa. Oh, okay. Um, so it's that idea, but they brought him in here and no i don't think he pops up in any other game now that would be the most appropriate time to set down flood personally okay um, yeah yeah it not not these floodless runs where Mar, you know super you know uh bowser jr takes away your backpack but where you set it aside to race this guy that would be a much more appropriate use of floodless runs okay. um personally that's what i think but um but yeah, that's I I liked those, but I also felt like they were unfair because either I use my backpack to get ahead of him and it's it is unfair or it's something where I didn't need my backpack in the first place, so it could have been, you right. know, hyper challenge if you if you really wanted it to be. So, um I don't know, it was an interesting but really random addition to the game and I felt like even that was underutilized, but but yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that that's that would be a a great decision i mean most of the time when i'm doing those races i'm not even thinking of flood i'm just like diving you know right and trying to get ahead right. as fast as possible so that'd make perfect sense uh any other last thoughts here jared i think we've talked about this game in depth here any final gripes or specific points you wanted to bring out no and i knew we were kind of getting towards the end so that's why i brought that up that would be just a final gripe because i feel okay. like that's something that can be fixed there are some levels that are they are neither mechanically intensive nor are they a, the best use of flood. I think specifically of the watermelon festival in Gelato Beach is absolutely infuriating. Um, trying to roll that fat watermelon all the way down the hill into the <laughs> blender, like it is—it's not a good use of your mechanics, and it's not a good use of flood. It—it it doesn't need to be in there. It's a bad level, and um, they're—they're far. There's—they're just things. There's holes and plot holes in this game. The Yoshi. The Yoshi level at Enrico Harbor, that eighth level, is stupidly annoying. Absolutely annoying. You have to jump on, you have to ground pound the two, the fruit things um, to get the right fruit to come out. And it's like, it's like the lottery in, um, in mm. the casino where you have to just keep spraying it until you get the right combination. It doesn't make any sense. There, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to how it's done. Um, so it's, that's annoying more than challenging. And you don't want that. You want a game. To not be annoying, you want it to be challenging and hard because it's technically difficult, not hard because it's irritating um, and you're trying to calm your anger while you play. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yoshi, Yoshi was is yeah. Tell me, what do you what do you think about his edition? Yoshi is great for Delfino Plaza, but horrible in Rico Harbor and um, pointless in Pina Park. Like you just have to go swallow the yellow fruit that's right there in the character's nose, and right. then you and then you go to the Ferris wheel. It's pointless. It's absolutely pointless. Um, and then you have to, and then he's he's where else is he? He's in um, Delfino Plaza is by far the best use of Yoshi. Bad in Rico Harbor, pointless in Pina Park, and I don't know, hard to use elsewhere because there's so much water. So it's it's really it's silly sometimes, but. Um, 
you know, it is what it is. It's whatever. The use of him in the Serena Beach maze is smart. I really like that. That's that's a good use of Yoshi. But okay. um, but anywhere else, really, he's he's a poor addition to the game. He almost seems like surplus. So well, and he's yeah. important there because he can lick up those ghosties. Right, right. Which is a a good technical use of him. But right, um, right. But anyway, so I digress. Yeah. I Any, like Yoshi. It's hard for me to it's hard for me to hate him. Okay, um, fair enough. Final things, final things. Um, biggest other gripe, it's not even that big of a gripe, but last thing that I have here is that the UI isn't changed from GameCube, and that's just an issue with the remaster here of Mario 3D All-Stars just kind of phoned in by Nintendo. Um, they didn't even bother to change that from a GameCube X to a Switch R. It's like they just left it as what it is, and... That's fine. You know, that's just a part of a poor remaster. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I think I've, I've laid out my issues with the game. Uh, this isn't one. I've not heard people clamoring for a Sunshine 2. I don't know. Maybe that would be you, Jared. I feel like this is the Mario game nobody asked for. And when they got it, they're kind of like, uh, and then they're happy to move on. Uh, would you, here's a question. Would you kill a lonely widow to get mario sunshine 2 no, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no. All right, all right. I, now but i would also uh i feel like mario sunshine is a fantastic middle point placeholder for galaxy because you had okay. the original right and then it, when it was at 1999 or 97 i don't remember for um, 64 yep it's 96 yeah, it, it makes sense to have, you have the 64 Mario, then you have the GameCube Mario, and then you have the Wii, and then you have the Wii U Mario Galaxy 2, which a, kind of an additional surplus game. I don't know that that's even necessary in the long lineage, but then Odyssey for the Switch, and now on yet another Mario adventure for whenever the next console is that they release. I don't know. But um, I would play a Mario Sunshine 2, but I also think that you've got to fix some serious things, and then what new can you show me? You might run into the same issue with Horizon uh, Forbidden West, which is more of the same, and it kind of bored you. You were hoping for something different. So um, it'd be hard to say. I'm not I'm not going to kill any widows uh, for Mario Sunshine <laughs> okay. 2. What if she uh, was, like, a completely rude person, like just someone who everybody hated? <sighs> I might just do the world a favor. I don't need anything from Nintendo in return. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, so you do it without Sunshine too? Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. um, but uh, maybe for a Portal Three. But no, I <laughs> okay. I, I, yeah, I might, yeah. I might be in, on board with that. Yeah. No, I don't think Josh. I think it's very clear at this point. The music stands out in this game. The, for me, the world is fantastic. I don't mind that there's no frosty world. I've never been a fan of the cold worlds anyway. Um, <laughs> I, the underwater is terrible. The flood mechanic is unique, yes, but it's not varied enough. Uh, you know, hover, jetpack, or uh, water, you know, uh, speedboat pack, whatever else, and, and the rocket pack, that's fine, but what else? Um, trying yeah. to use it in first person is hard. Some, you know... It's imprecise, the floodless levels, the horrible final boss fight. But, you know, 
and again, beautiful world design and some unique aesthetic choices. The fruits are cool. I like using the fruit in the different capacities that they have you. The characters are memorable. It sticks out in your brain. It's very original, mm-hmm. but it doesn't need to go on the Hall of Games. I don't think you disagree with me. That's why I'm saying it so outright. But uh, a fun title. Certainly play it if you're a Mario head, but uh, you're going to get a much better experience playing Galaxy or Odyssey um, for sure. Yeah, it's... And I agree, it's not in the Hall of Games, so I think we can pass on this one, but uh, it is, in my opinion as well, the worst of the mainland Mario games. Jared, I'm actually a little offended, because Galaxy 2 is one of the best, Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Well, then I just Uh, need to play it. But how come it wasn't included in the Mario 3D All-Stars, then? I don't know, because Nintendo's cheap. They (laughs) they just did the 3, I don't know, man. I I honestly was upset that they didn't have it in there. Okay, well, I need to uh, go I think play it's, Galaxy 2. I think it's better than Galaxy. I think it's Ooh. a better game. Um, okay. But just just want to say that in lieu of the fact that Sunshine is at the bottom. That being said, for it to be at the bottom of this list of Mario games is also to put it above a large percentage of video games. Like, it's still a good oh, game. Yeah. Um, I, I have a hard time recommending this game, especially at this point in time. Maybe when it first came out. But if you really want to play a Mario game and you're you're interested or maybe a little tentative about it, I would not point you towards Sunshine. Uh, I point you to any of the other ones first. So I, there's that. I um, would disagree slightly because it comes in that 3D All Stars package. Like if you're going to okay, get into Mario, yeah. go even buy then, that trifecta of games because that's the best bang for your buck for sure. You're right, but I wouldn't tell you to start with Sunshine or 64. <laughs> I'd tell you to go right into Galaxy. You know. All right. Um, fair enough. Fair and and sunshine is is awesome like personally i like the hellscape obstacle courses like i think that they're fun just because of how stressful they are but that's because i'm a glutton for like platforming like <laughs> pain um and bdsm and uh, whatever else and that has this like this game has that in droves like i love that in donkey kong uh i love that in in odyssey galaxy 2 has some of the best final mario levels and like any of those crazy difficult ones that you're gonna die on all the time i like but to have it so prevalent like and this is something i think this game feels almost because of how many stars there are it almost feels overstuffed like it feels like it's it's going too far it overstays its welcome in my mind in a lot of ways because of red coin levels because of these egregious obstacle course levels that are all over the place um because of the aesthetic the aesthetic to me yeah it just overstays its welcome by hour six by hour seven um but not everybody feels that way um but in my mind uh that's what sunshine has been to me and maybe it's because i don't have the history with it uh i would play a sunshine too i'd play any mario game now i will say one other thing about this game that is fantastic is its hub the delfino plaza itself yeah is great actually i think this is the best one in any mario game (laughs) which is crazy uh mostly because they haven't done it very much since but this one's it was a joy. It was a joy to go back. It was a joy to see like the progression of the shine sprites and how like the world, the uh, plaza itself got lighter and lighter and less shadowy. Um, every now and then, you know, Shadow Mario would be there and something else would change. The music is, of course, iconic. So like yeah. the hub here is great. I think that that's uh, an exemplary uh, uh, part of a Mario game that Sunshine does in a, in a fantastic way. 
I kind of said that in a weird way, but nonetheless, I think that that's another benefit to it. Of course, the mechanics themselves are sound. Any Mario games mechanics will be, uh, despite the slipperiness here. So, lot to like. I could recommend it. I think it'd be hard for me to recommend it first. If you like another Mario game, yeah, check out Sunshine. Um, but I don't think it's in the Hall of Games. I don't think it's uh, even close, personally, <laughs> uh, which might hurt Jared. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I love it, but it's not perfect, that's for sure. Yeah, and I have those. <laughs> I have those in my life as well. You know, talking about, you're talking about, like, that experience of, like, seeing, like, the connectivity of the world and just, like, that experience is so awesome. That's something that happens early on in your gaming life and is hard to top after that. Um, So for Sunshine to be that game for you is awesome. Like, it's hard for me to argue against that at all. Like, that's a moment that nothing else is ever going to top in its own way for you and... Uh, has obviously remained with you to this day, and yeah. it's been important in its own way. So hard to hard to argue against that particular thing. But you um, did, and you broke my heart. But it's okay. I did. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Hey, you texted me and said that you were bored playing this. So I didn't know what to get from that. But you did. I. That was something you mentioned. Let me see what I text you. Let me see here. What did I say? I thought you used the word bored. Maybe I'm projecting. Um, (laughs) Now I'm looking. Yes. Anyway, I don't... Maybe I'm accusing you incorrectly, but... uh, It's it's a game that... uh, Yeah, check it out if you like Mario games. Otherwise... um, Hard to recommend. Did you find it? I'm not sure. I, I want to be proven right here. I don't think I did. I oh. actually told you. I think I told you that. I said, "Dude, Mario 64 is hard." <laughs> but I no, don't. No, no. It was. It was earlier than that. Hold on. Hold on. I don't see where it says that I was bored. Uh. Podcast. So sorry. Yeah, what the heck? I feel like it was like right there. Okay, whatever. I'm I'm making things up apparently. Um, <laughs> again, projecting because I was bored. Um, not really. I like these games. I like Mario games. All right, can't yes, can't yes, that. sir. Uh, in any case, let's wrap up this podcast. Thank you for listening, taking the time here in this fairly long journey, partially because of the start of the podcast. We had a lot more uh, housekeeping, whatnot to go on. Uh, but of course, if you liked the podcast, check out our other episodes of other backlog in-depth conversations. Uh, drop us five-star reviews. Tell friends. Do little things like that. That helps. Uh, you can you. rate us on on Spotify, folks. Rate us on Spotify. Yes, yes. Uh, boost us up there. Um, I hope you agree with our decision. If you don't, tell us why. Uh, until then, I am the video game bard, followed by the casual mercenary Jared. Final thoughts here, Jared. Let's let's close out the podcast. No, sir. It's uh, it's it's been lovely talking with you. I love this episode, especially our reaping conversation. Very in depth uh, about what our thoughts were. That was hard, hard, hard choice. Mario Sunshine is an easy choice. The Mario games are are works of art, all of them. But uh, certainly, if you're if you're a completionist, Mario Sunshine should be on your radar. But if you're looking for the best of the best experience, Odyssey and Galaxy are your ways to go. And according to Josh, Galaxy 2. And you will not be missing out by skipping this game. 
Um, but hey, if you want some extra sunshine in your life, it's probably for you. I found it. I found the text. <laughs> what did I say? All right. So I said I texted you Tuesday, July fifth, eleven o three a.m. Default segment this week is going to be the reaping. Uh, just let me know when you can chat. And then you said, dude, after having beaten Sunshine multiple times and getting eighteen shines yesterday without really trying, I'm going to have to really fight against my bias to make this a good episode. And I said, try to be as objective as possible. And then you said, it's not that it's a bad game; it's that it bores me. Huh. Oof. Oof. So I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. Self incrimination there. <laughs> well, you're right. Yeah, after having beaten Sunshine <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. Well, hey, there you go. <laughs> all right. All right. So I'm not going crazy. Just wanted to confirm that. All right. Thanks, guys, for taking the time to listen. We'll see you all next time. <laughs>